What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. We have a jam-packed episode, a great way to end out 2022. Probably going to be our last episode unless something crazy happens in the sport. has happened before, so not ruling out anything, but should be our last episode of 2022. And we recap a lot. A lot has happened um, throughout this past month that we really try to discuss. So we start with a Virginia Pro mini recap. USAPL South Korea, a mini plea from me for Russ to do the Arnold. We talk about the Olympia, the reason why people are upset with what happened at the Olympia in regards to powerlifting. And then we power rank the 2023 best storylines. So one through five, we go men's and women's, then also just in powerlifting in general. And we just give our definitive top five storylines, commercial gym story. And we end off the episode a little bit of a powerlifting subculture debate so again really fun episode a long episode so it should take you into 2023 quite easily this will be you know maybe you want to split this up at a point maybe when we talk about the 2023 that could be its own episode it's pretty much two episodes in one on this one so hope you enjoy it make sure you're subscribing to two white lights on apple Podcasts and on spotify leave a five-star rating on both on apple Podcasts. you can actually leave a review those reviews help us so please leave a review please leave a five-star rating also go to two white lights.com subscribe there and check out the shop there as well we have merchandise still to sell we have a deal going on as well at the until the end of 2023 so Free shipping on orders, I believe over $60. Can't be wrong on that. Might have to repost. Uh, it's on the Two White Lights page what the exact deal is. But end of the year sale on uh, merchandise. And we still got a, a we still got some hoodies. We still got some PR City shirts. Those were really popular ones. And also the Bad Journalism shirts have been uh, popular as well. And we still got some of those. So make sure you're on twowhitelights.com and checking that out. And without further ado, here it is. Two White Lights. Oh baby, I like it raw. Yeah, baby, I like it raw. Oh baby, I like it raw. Yeah, baby, I like it raw. Shimmy, shimmy, y'all, shimmy, yeah, shimmy, yeah. Give me the mic so I can take her away. Off on the natural charge, bone for yards. Yeah, from the home of the Dodger Brooklyn squad. Who take the love, he's on the score. Rain on your college ass, this don't come. For you to even touch my skill, you gotta go through one killer B. And as promised, we are here to get our last episode of Two White Lights before the end of 2022, unless something crazy happens and we're forced to record. Steve, how are you? I'm doing good. This is kind of like a nice little settle down period, I think, for oh, all yeah. of us until really then the craziness of Powerlifting American Nationals, the Arnold, and then Sheffield happening all in a matter of like one month. Oh, yeah, that's going to be a good buildup. And I think you have a lot of other things like on the untested side that will get us to this point. Uh, by the way, Merry Christmas. I know it's we're in a time machine because we're recording this yep, like three Merry- days before Christmas so we can get an episode out to you guys. So you can finish off the, the new but Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas to all the two white lights fans, the best fans in powerlifting. And you are right. Like this is a, and I, this is a good way to end the year. Just talking about some really great things that happen in powerlifting in the month of December, uh, because there is a lot to talk about. And then also um, just one of those episodes where we kind of don't have the biggest agenda. It's not forced. It's something we kind of just wanted to talk about. And those are my favorite episodes. It's 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 date morning. 
Yeah. Uh, uh, Coffee instead of beer. Um, actually, I see whiskey by you. You have problems? It's 9 o'clock in the morning. I don't know. Well, yeah, it's in my coffee. I'm Jesus, not going to drink coffee without Jesus, whiskey. Jesus, Steve. Oh, my God. I didn't know this was a constant thing. I thought just during recording mm-hmm. after work at 6 o'clock in the afternoon, at night, but it's 9 o'clock in the morning. You're already pounding the booze. Uh, it's, it's just it's just to wake me up. Sean didn't do that bad at the Virginia Pro. He actually did quite good. It's okay. <laughs> you don't need, you don't need to you don't need to go to substances. But let's talk about it. Let's talk about the Virginia Pro. I was thinking we would do a full recap on this, but like just scheduling and the way one we were doing two highlights episodes and two just kind of what we were all doing. Um, it was hard to do a recap or a full recap. So it's going to be a kind of a mini recap where we spotlight certain things. I was at a wedding, very good wedding, awesome time. You were coaching, so we know if you're coaching during a meet, it's hard to really get a full analysis on what was going on aside from your lifter. You could probably tell me a lot that Sean and Autumn were doing as opposed to, you know, Perk, Dan, Bob, Ash, and all them. So uh, yeah. we're just going well, to stick to the I'll highlights. Throw a plug. I'll throw a plug because I believe it's happening for our sister podcast. The Power and Lifting, I believe, is going to do a full recap with yes. uh, Leo and Solana, which oh, that would nice. be the two to get it from oh, because yeah. they obviously commentated the whole thing. Because, yeah, like you said, you were at a wedding all day. I was coaching. So, like, I, I understand what went on, but I didn't watch hardly any of it because I was, I was focused on two specific people. You know, you know, I love Salon. Everyone knows that we love Salon on Two Eye Lights. Leo is an untapped resource in powerlifting. Like he, he, like we don't really utilize Leo as much as we should. He is like, it's like, oh, that is true. We need to get him on for uh for some type of preview or recap thing. Yeah, like he's he's like perfect for it because he's he's great at commentary. He knows the sport. Um, he's handsome. Too. He's like, man, like powerlifting is actually like we're we are we have we potentially have this guy who can do these things that like we want powerlifting to progress to where they talk about it. There's commentators, there's analysis on it, and like we just we just don't know about it. We got we got to get more spotlight on him. But yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to the recap to actually know what happened during it. But um, I, I think the main highlights going into it or the the spotlight was on the men's side. Bob and Dan, because um, this meet wasn't like the Virginia Pro the previous year where we were talking about just a lot of hit lifts, where it was a lot of standalone performances. Like, you can really make a storyline for really one through five. This year, one through five was kind of sprinkled with maybe some poor performances and sub and subpar performances, but even from Bob's winning, but Dan was almost able to actually get into that first place spot and no one saw that coming. Yeah, I think Bob, he almost had a perfect day. There was an issue, and I only heard of three or four people stating this because they squatted enough to notice it. The The meat was on a platform, like an elevated stage. Mm-hmm. Now, there was like something like a $15,000 forced structure under the stage. And so like it was pretty stable, but Bob Ashton... I know Connor Borkert said it. Uh, there may have been some others that felt it. Could feel it moving a bit when they walked out. And so it affected the squats a little bit. Oh, hmm. interesting. I heard that a little bit too. So I, I, that's I, why Ash and Bob in particular both said their squat felt a little off. We saw, I mean, Bob missed a second attempt. Ash hit his second. It was a full-out grinder. 
Um, I don't think they're trying to like say, oh, that like ruined everything, but they said they felt it kind of messed with a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard that too. I don't know. I kind of like ignore it because I, I think that I ignore things when it comes to like equipment or like meat settings because like, okay, it's, it's something that could affect your performance, but I, I still think there was enough like mislifts throughout the day that kind of led to this meat yeah. uh, not necessarily yeah. being Only- the, the the meat where it was just a all out battle between like four or three or four people. I'm really only saying that for Bob because even if Ashton didn't have his squats, yeah. like it was his best meat. Um, I'm just saying that Bob, like maybe like 760 ish, and that would have been a bit more movement if he had uh, 965 versus 955. 955 is amazing, but like I don't think that that was a really good total, but I don't think it blew things out of the water. Mm-hmm. If he would have hit like 965 ish and gotten a third squat, that would have been a little bit of a different story. But the, the biggest story is, is well, there was actually two distinct battles. There ended up being a crazy battle for the top four. And we we had mentioned on the preview show that Dan Clements was a dark horse to sneak in there, but he needed a perfect day. And Dan Clements had the perfect day. Mm-hmm. Like he had the day that we've been kind of waiting for. It's kind of weird. And it'll, it'll, I don't say it'll be under the radar, but he purposefully weighed in heavy. So he didn't chip records. So he weighed in like, I think like a half a pound heavy. It was something very, like they were trying to gain weight so that he, he wouldn't like, weigh 67 and a half so basically he was 67 and a half and at 67 and a half he hit 745 which 745 would have won nationals at 75 kilos this year a weight class down yeah and he sneaks in and forces everyone to have to pull because he was uh, he was the second pull or uh, now i'm I'm forgetting because dan and ash and austin both pulled the same number oh no austin pulled more so dan was the first pull he set it. He set the standard. Austin then, I think, took a shot and maybe reached over what Dan was because he thought he had to pull X amount to beat Bob, which Bob hit his lift, so he would have had to have that. So Austin missed, then came up Bob. Bob hit his lift to then chip over Dan, and then Ashton came up, and Ashton actually didn't try to go for the win of the VA Pro. He tried to go for the win of the total. And I was actually wrong. Bob did 952 and a half, not 955. So Ashton tried to pull to 955, which would have put Ashton in the first based off a of total, but second based off of dots. So he just wanted to be able to out total them. Either way, ended up being a pretty crazy four way battle. It was just a little different because there definitely was some missed lifts. Ashton wasn't on point. Austin wasn't on point. Bob had that missed squat. Um, and then even from there, like it, we're not going to touch on it too much, but it was actually a pretty crazy battle from sixth to tenth uh, for the men. Because mm-hmm. um, Sean obviously didn't have a great day in the sense of squat and bench, and so it kind of left the door open. Um, and it left the door open for Connor, for uh, Pug, for Tracy Gilliard, for Charlie Yang, for Marcus Adudu, and there was a bu- bunch of bulls to move into that spot. Um, because at one point I really thought Sean was going to need 340 kilos to move into, into that fifth spot. Um, but uh, people started missing and he actually only needed 335, but we honestly just didn't care at that, that point. What like the get fifth for Sean, another 825 total wasn't like anything special. So like, we're just going to try and get a huge deadlift. Unfortunately that worked out and he got fit, but yeah, going back, Dan, Dan mm-hmm. and Bob, Bob at 92 and a half, which is a short lived total because we're going to talk about Keenan in a second, shipping that. 
Dan has to be the story of this meet on the men's side, hitting a 745 kilo total at, I'm going to call it at 67 and a half kilos. I mean, in all intents and purposes, he was 67 and a half. Yeah, I actually, I mean, because with Bob, you almost get this thing where you're expecting a certain number out of him. You're expecting great things. Dan, you expect a great thing from, you expect great things from Dan, but he's so low key. And we he doesn't post a lot, and we don't really get to see a whole lot of him until meets. And this was an unbelievable meet that really, like, not a whole lot of people are talking about. Dan came out and put on a, an absolute clinic. And like you said, 745 is a great total right now for 75 kilo lifters. And he was doing it at, like, 68 kilos, 68 and a half kilos. 67.8. Oh, 67.8. Holy shit. Okay, so... I'm telling you, he was that close. He literally... Matt was talking to me and during weigh-ins. He's like, we've got to make sure he doesn't weigh in too low. And they were like... After he came back, Matt's like, 0.3 over. We're good. Yeah. They, they were they were purposely trying to not weigh less because they did not want to chip records come national time, come the Battle of Morgan again. Yeah, and that's going to be one hell of a battle. And, I mean, like I said on the preview podcast, Dan competes well in Virginia. Um, We saw... Those are his best meets. The ones he does in Virginia, I think it was that big winter record meet that kind of put everyone on to Dan. Like, okay, this dude is legit. He can pull potentially 700. He did that in the warm-up room. I remember, like, that was that was kind of the more talked about thing was one his performance because he actually weighed in a half pound heavier at that meet as well. So I guess he has experience. But he went on, put on a clinic, and then in the back pulled 700 after his third attempt, um, after his third attempt at the winter record, then we saw what we did at the Virginia Pro, the previous or the previous Virginia Pro, um, and it's and it's not like he only competes well in Virginia either. He he had Daytona Nationals and also the Arnold um, in 2020 that not a lot of people know, but he was he was up there as, as far as top lifters go at that meet as well. So. I'm really excited to see what he does, especially with what is becoming a relatively talked about weight class in the 66, 67 and a half kilo weight class. But to me right now, um, Dan has put himself in great position, but he lost at nationals and he's got to give Morgan that rematch. And Morgan is still the best until, uh, to, at least in my opinion, Morgan is the best until um, a head to head competition takes place and Dan is able to win. Agreed. Uh, yeah, you have. It, I feel like it's not. There's more to it than just Virginia versus having to travel. I mean, I don't oh, yeah, think sure. prep going into nationals was as good. But there is something to it. Like Dan has not put it together outside of Virginia yet. You need to see that. Yeah. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is that 7:45. The fact of the matter is that like repost pages are not posting a total that's like 30 something kilos over the world record. No, we need to show. No, posted about it. Palm- Pana bombed out. We got to show that one. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah we, we got to show that, Pana but bombed. not the person who he a, he a heart truly of was who, who did a 745 kilo total at that weight class, Oof. which again, 0.3 over. He did that on purpose. He was at that weight class. I'm not going to be like, oh, there's there's the minutiae that he wasn't actually a 67 and a half. No, he was. Um, yeah, that that is one of the best performances of the entire year. Um the, the weird thing is, is that we're walking away more excited about Dan. I mean, Bob was incredible. Highest dots of the year. Mm-hmm. That still is on record, even with Keenan, uh, regardless of Federation, IPF, USAPL, wherever it may be. Um, it's just crazy that, like, I feel like, I mean, I think we all kind of walked away. Like, Bob's performance was amazing, but we feel like more. 
Yeah. And I, we, there, he, I don't feel like he's quite had that super meet yet. Like, I think the super meet would have been around like 965. And hopefully we can see that all come together at the Arnold. Because honestly, again, if, 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 if it was like a five to seven and a half kilo difference, because of the platform being a little bit of a weird thing on, on squat, um, National or Arnold at the C-Pod should have no issue. Like, yeah. I would argue Arnold at the C-Pod is about the, I don't want to say, yeah, I'll call it the, about our, Columbus and all the things there. It's about one of the easiest places to travel to and compete. It's a very, it's a very friendly area yeah. to be able to get over whatever you need to well, yeah, travel. The, it's, the it's, setting there and the warm room is very easy. Like everything about the Arnold usually sets up the variables to, to be in the lifter's favor. So yeah, it's a consistent um, the hope thing. is we, we see that super meet there. Yeah. It's consistent. The the Arnold is consistent. You know exactly where you can get out of the warm up rooms, the equipment. It's all going to be there. And also, it's like it's nationals because you have coaches there. You have your friends there. If you need something, you can go. Like everyone is there and can go and get you things. Like um, this year, I was able to get worked on from Andrew with game day. Like it would Arnold. Like Arnold is. Um, is one of those staple meets for reasons because you have a good consistent meet, but also one thing to consider, um, Bob competes, Ash competes. There's a short turnover. Mm -hmm. So now, you know, we go into Arnold's finals, so, you know, it's, you have to jump back into prep. And if you're that strong, it's hard to do. I actually say the advantage potentially could go to Peachtree with this. It could, it could. I mean, it very well. I mean, if I'm looking at dots, well, I'm, I'm gonna I'm some numbers because Petrie threw him out. He threw out 907 points as the low end of what he's expecting at the Arnold, and he put the high end at 920 to 930. Mm -hmm. He posted that on a story. Yeah. So call it 900. But if Petrie goes 900, he wins the VA Pro. Mm -hmm. He would have if he weighs in at 90 kilos. Yeah. Oh yeah. Exactly. So I mean. So yeah, it's, I, it's... I I I agree. I honestly, I mean, we'll have to see as we get closer. But if I was to think right now, I might, I might, I probably am putting Petrie as my favorite. Yeah, well, speaking of that, I mean, because Dan, mm -hmm. I, I do think, gets some of that, you know, credit as far as walking away with it. But I actually rank Celine Crumb's performance higher because she won, and she won in a very convincing fashion. And she kind of is, like we said on the pre on the preview, she goes against that logic of, like, competing too often isn't good. I honestly think it works in her advantage because – had an unbelievable meet. Seems like she's just getting better with every meet that she's do that she's doing. Climbing that dots, climbing her total. Um, really, she's now in a position with like you know your weight class, which is one thing, but then also the dot score and the formula. And now that there's a short turnover for her from the Virginia Pro to the Arnold, I actually think that works in her advantage, especially with how she won the. Virginia Pro. Um, I am going to put her as my favorite right now. My odds-on favorite to win the Arnold. She's definitely the favorite, but Gabby's momentum and training looks really good right now. Yeah. Um, well rested. Too. Sam didn't quite didn't quite have the perfect day, and even if she did, I think it would have been tough because if we're looking again, Dots is going to come based on body weight. Sam's body weight. She was back up um, from where she was was at nationals when she cut a bit more i don't know what her plans are leading into the arnold but if she's going to weigh 65.3 it's going to be it's going to be it's going to be tough uh, she'd have to hit all her lifts she definitely would be in the picture it's going to be celine versus gabby versus sam for sure that's that's the top three we're going to be looking at for the finale 
I definitely would put Celine number one because right now with the momentum she has literally hasn't missed a lift all year in four meets. Um, and the fact that like just continuing to train and train for a meet seems to be good. I think she has to be the favorite, but we'll have to see when we get closer. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if I could say Gabby when we get closer. I, yeah. I could see myself doing that, but I've got to see more training as we get closer. But Gabby's squat in particular has been going crazy mm. and they're only separated right now. They're separated. I mean, Gabby's Nationals performance was a 547.8 and Celine's was 552.2. So they're separated by like four to five dots points. So mm. it's, it's, um, it's close. I, I mean, going to award season next year, I might put this as a potential upset of the year. Celine Crum winning the Pro Series. I don't think any of those I agree. predicted that. Like, no one. I mean, I think we were all thinking Natalie, Natalie and Sam. And Natalie and Sam were probably for the favorites. This could be one of the better stories of powerlifting in 2023. 2022 Arnold, or 2021 Arnold, I apologize. 2021 Arnold, Celine Crum goes in there, wins her pro card, amateur lifter getting her pro card, and then potentially at the next Arnold is going to win the entire thing. That is progression, and that is what I want to see out of the Pro Series. That little elevation that you can get from winning the amateur side, going from an amateur, getting your pro status, and then getting that pro status and doing pro meets, doing well at nationals, and then being in the finals and winning the damn thing. Celine Crum is is in a position where she could very well do that, and that would be a story. Yes. No, it would cap off pretty much the absolute perfect year for her. So... Um, yeah, we're going to get to our top storylines of 2023, and that's definitely going to be one of them, is the Celine versus Sam versus Gabby battle. So mm-hmm. um, I think my last little thing I'll say about the VA Pro, we already kind of talked about it on the award show, but it, it solidified itself again as at least of what I've been to the best meet again this year, regardless yeah. of Arnold, National, anything. It, not necessarily like competition, like it was good competition, but not necessarily that. I'm saying like the actual meet production, live stream, everything about it, uh, best meet i was at the entire year yeah unfortunately i wasn't there so i like now i'm just trying to envision what it was and like try to get some of those things and watch some of the videos of it and you can expect it'd be great what i do want to see from the virginia pro is just i think this year was they were a victim to scheduling because if this meets in july where you get the arnold you get a meet in the summer then you get nationals then you know, more people would do it, and I think you get a little bit better of a spotlight on it. Where this one, it's like, okay, if you're doing the meet, it might actually put you behind a little bit. So I think that's why you're seeing some missing faces um, from the meet. And if you have enough people doing the meet, like, if you have this, if I mean, really, like, take into consideration next year. After the Arnold, Virginia Pro is kind of the kickoff pro meet, right? It resets. Is it the Virginia Pro? Are they going to move it? No, Virginia Pro is the last pro meet of the year in 2023. It's still in December. Oh, really? I don't like that. Did you not watch my stories where I said all pro athletes should watch this? Of nope. course you didn't. I did not. Um, absolutely not. Yeah. I gave the entire breakdown of the entire year and the strategy everyone should be using, but that's why pro athletes uh, always are like, oh, I don't understand the pro series because they don't watch stuff. Yeah. Well, Angelo. Kinda. Well, I, well, I just outed myself on that one, but can't you agree that it will be much better in July? It's tough to say because then if it was July, you'd have Arnold March, Virginia Pro July, National September. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of tough because the fact of the matter is, if we can fall into a regular like schedule, I mean dating back, 
Nationals, IPF Worlds is perfect. You do two meets a year. If you don't go to IPF Worlds, you, you do the, the Arnold instead. Yeah. Perfect. Most people don't want to compete three times. What the Virginia Pro I think is should. likely going to be next year is either a way to win some money. I mean, you got people like Ashton who are just going to go in and hit their SPD days and try and win some money. Or it's going to be a way of, okay, we did the Arnold is the first Pro Series meet. Nationals is the, well, really the first is Nationals because Nationals is the one you have to do. And then they, there's the, the Arnold or the VA Pro. We're going to kind of see where the points are. And it, the VA Pro is going to kind of be the, well, okay, do I need to do this to hop in? Do I need to do it to defend? Maybe maybe you're seventh place and you see a bunch of people signing up. Yeah, like, point. if I don't do the VA Pro, these people are going to jump me. So I've got to literally do All it right. to defend my position to get to it. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. Okay. Um, I mean, I think the hope for most people is that they only have the top people, like Bob, Ash, Petrie, the, the people that are at the top, Dan, can't leave him out, Austin, um, that they only have to do the Arnold and Nationals. I think that's probably the hope for them each year. And then the VA Pro is this other meet where the, that next like grouping will kind of have to maybe battle it out to secure finale spots. Yeah, that's a good point. I I, I, I would agree with that. Um, and also the storyline next year, I think, will more so be like who's actually going to qualify for the Pro Finale. I hate, I hate calling it the Pro Finale. You guys use it so many times. I want to call it the Pro Finals. And now people like that's how you get names where people just use the term too many times and it becomes that name. Like people said finale. Way we, too many well, times. I want to say pro finals. I think it sounds cooler. The okay, so it says pro finals on the. I know no one's so but no finals. one's saying it. That's that's the thing. Like no okay. one's saying it. Okay, I'll change it. I'll change. I'll change my status to pro finals. I'll, I'll work on doing that. Okay, well we have to really try. We don't have a lot of time. We got three months to change everyone saying the finale. Like I was talking to Sean yesterday and he said the finale. I. I Finals would be the be better way to putting it, uh, but I digress from my point. Um, I think that's actually going to be a story because this year, like, you know, you see some names in there, and I think the Ubu meets kind of caused that, where you just see kind of some random. Well, and because the there. VA Pro happened twice. Yeah, exactly. This, this so year. it's a weird, yeah. So it's a, it's it a weird, weird sort of point system, but like next year. When you get Austin Perkins doing nationals, you possibly get mm -hmm. Rondell Hunton, um, Joe Bornstein's, you know, on the come up. You have Keenan. Yeah, Keenan Lee, too. So then it's like, oh, shit. Like a guy like me, I'm like, I might not be in the pro finals next year. I would probably be that outlier. So I really have to work to get yeah. those points and have a really good year. And you know what? That is why you do a season. It's so good. This is why the pro series, everyone's listening right now. If you're a pro athlete or you're an amateur athlete, this is actually a good thing for powerlifting because it forces you to do well at meets and high stake meets where you're really not doing this bullshit local meet anymore. Where it's just like, oh, yeah. here's a number. Like, those are good to do. Don't get me wrong. But if you're a pro athlete, like, you should constantly be kind of under pressure. I mean, think about, like, the NFL season. You know, and those fringe teams, like, oh, man, we lost that game in the early season that we should have won. Now we're looking at maybe a seven seed in the playoff or being out of the playoff as opposed to being a third seed. Like, that is that is going to be the advantage of having meets that give you points and could get you into a top 10 spot because now we're talking about, you know, hopping over people. Then it might force people due to Virginia Pro. You might get crazy battles you never even thought of. You might get a weird battle yeah. between me and Joe Bornstein, right? Like, who would have thought that would happen? Or like me, like, or someone doesn't do well at a meet, and they need to do, and they need to do this one. So it's like me first, you know, because I'm going to keep on saying me because I think I am that perfect like bubble lifter, 
where I'm like, Oh yeah, you are. I mean, you're right in that, you're right in that tier. If we're taking like Rondell and Ken, you're, you are right there. Like you and Sean are really good examples of that, like five fifty to five sixty ish dots. That's going to be like on the fringe next year. Like, yeah. And that's great, right? 570 dots, 560 dots, or 560 dots, 550 dots is on the fringe on the men's side. That's yeah. that's some good stuff because I mean, if you're a five, if you have like a five, if you have over a five thirty dots, you're unbelievable. And you know, we're talking about twenty points higher than that, potentially not getting you a spot in there. Because um, I mean, frankly, I got lucky this year. If they opened up to the top ten, and there were some people who like Austin Perkins who weren't able to do nationals. Like I could have been bu- bumped down mm-hmm. those spots and been kind of like the last guy in. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I like that going forward. Um, I'm gonna throw out one thing. Because we're going to talk about that one of our topics for storylines of 2023 is, okay, with this actual correct Pro Series schedule, does it work? And I've got hope for it. But on the Pro Series website, it says to be determined international meets as additions of pro events. And I've heard from some other people they are wanting to add international pro events to the Pro Series this year. Please, dear God, don't. Yeah. I don't know if anyone from USAPL has listened, but don't do it. Yeah. I mean, because there's part of me, I mean, I could understand why they want to do that. And I mean, we might be getting on a tangent here, but I could understand why they want to do that because I was thinking about it this year with like that break I have in the summer. And I was invited to do that Sydney, Australia meet in September, like this past September. And I'm like, no, this is not a good idea. I, it'll be way too close after nationals and, you know, be setting myself up, setting myself up for potential uh, regression. But I'm like, I, I kind of want to do it just because, like what we saw with USAPL South Korea recently, what we're seeing in USAPL Australia, I'm like, it'll just be really good to do. It'll be a really good thing to go to and have fun doing it. And They but, don't have to be a pro meet, though. Yeah, no, but if I go and do it, though, I don't want to go there and do, like, a bullshit meet. Want to go and actually mean something? Like I do want those international meets. If you're invited to do it, to mean something. I don't want it to be an ambassador tour. You know, like I, I don't something but about something about I, that doesn't like. Like I don't like it. I get so I get your point, and I don't disagree. That's what the future should have. Right now, we don't have enough international lifters, especially international pros. And what's going to happen is you and one other person are going to go. And we're, we're gonna you're going to get first points. and second. Yeah. It's going to be Ubi. It's going to be Ubu all over again, and then. That it, it's it, you For can't sure. do it until you have so many, you have enough pros around the world that that meets actually going to be highly competitive. No, that makes sense. I mean, it's really for me. It's like you know how how much how much time do I have this opportunity to go to Australia or go to Korea and compete? And I want it to actually mean something because it could be replacing the Virginia Pro, and I might need the Virginia Pro. So then it might turn you know. Three meets a year, which is a is a lot. I think that's the that's the sweet spot in competing. Three meets a year might turn to an extra fourth meet, and it's like okay, like then we're asking we're asking for you know issues in my training. We're act, asking for issues in progressing my total. So just a thing I was thinking about. Where you're right, it could progress that way, very similar to what we see. Like I think the idea was what we saw in tennis and golf is like you do you have these big events in other countries and it still means something as far as points go but um yeah it comes at the risk of you know, not being able to do the virginia pro but want to talk about it want to talk about the um the usapl international meets that got a lot of people talking over this past weekend yeah i mean like i said bob well the dots wasn't short-lived 
the total was short-lived because Keenan uh, came out, hit 957.5 on his second attempt deadlift, went up on his third. Um, I honestly think probably if he had planned it out, I think he probably did that on purpose to just make sure he got that total on his yeah. second and then just take whatever he can on his third. I honestly think that would have been spaced out. He, I think he what? He went... Uh, 832 and he hit that he went up to 848 I think honestly somewhere in between that he had because 832 wasn't that hard I just don't think he had much in the tank after hitting the 832 like he probably could have done like 840 or something either way huge meet yeah it's gonna be very interesting because I believe he plans to do the Arnold and him and Rondell will be battling out in the amateur meet for a pro card they might be I almost want them to say let's give two pro cards away because it we need both of them to get a pro card. Like yeah. we both, we need both of them to get one. I, I actually would be all right with them saying two gets given away uh, for the sake of if, being yeah. around But we're gonna have as the preview to the finale Saturday morning. It's likely gonna be Keenan versus Rondell right. to win a pro card. <laughs> that uh, that I mean, I don't know if that'll outstage the f- finals, but it has the potential to do that because no one. No one will be like, okay, Rondell, you know, he isn't quite there with Ash, Bob, and Petrie. He totally is. And then the same thing with Keenan. We know he totally is, too. So it's like they could very well have the better meets and be better than oh, yeah. the person who won the finals. At, the, at Oh, I'm sure they – Oh, my God. And then they, like, bo- also I'm sure they both want to win – They're big. They both want to win their pro card. They both want to win their pro card, and I guarantee – We already know from Rondell. He's already said this. His goal at the Arnold is to out dots whatever the finale people do. So they're, they're going to have two things they're looking. I don't know. That's going to be crazy. But yeah, Keenan, um, if we had done the award show a week later, I'd probably have him as breakout performer of the year yeah, on the male spend side. Because he, he could only do these local meets. He can only do the USAPL Korea meets, really. And he's smashing all of them. He's done three of them. And he's every single one was like you're taking a step back, and I think that's a true definition of breakout. When he tied Ash on points, or was it points or total? At the at the first meet. Total. Total and, at, total and Ash went on body weight. Okay, so when he did that, I'm like, what the fuck? Just straight up confused. Then I remember how like a big of a beast he was because Joe coached him. I think like it was during COVID. And I'm like, oh shit, yeah. Now he I coached him in two thousand. Yeah, yeah. He coached him through 2019, and I think a little bit into COVID because, yeah, for people who don't know, Joe used to coach him, and like he only had like 300 followers, and he was pretty under the radar. But like people were looking at him as already like being the guy to battle with Ash. We just never saw it because he moved to Korea. Yeah, and this was, I mean, he he put on an absolute clinic at this one, and also he has all the things going for him. He has the look. I just, you know, you, you get to start seeing this guy unbelievably jacked just an absolute titan absolute unit of a person and he puts together the total and he is definitely put himself in the conversation what has been which is going to be a ridiculous top five class and you know i i might as well just go into like a top seven class too with bob ash petrie rondell keenan austin perkins and my guy to get in there is joe uh is joe bornstein um, potentially if he's able to keep that weight. Like, that is just a – that is an absolute royal rumble and an embarrassment of riches. And Dan. And Dan Clements up. Oh, leave. Hey, God damn it, I'm not going to – it's going to be so hard to get into this fucking profile. Well, and, and Russ, if he would ever <laughs> Oh, and Russ, I forgot the, Russ, holy shit. <laughs> if Russ would ever do any of the pro events. Yeah. 
I yeah. All right. So how do you not see the value now in the pro series? When I just named all those like lifters, does Russ still have the idea that is not valuable? Like, no. It's just as I think is just as competitive as Sheffield, which he was very in on oh, doing on the on the men's side. On the men's side, on the men's side, it's more competitive than Sheffield. Like actually, decently more competitive if. That group you said all gets into the finale. If that group all gets into the finale, is decently more competitive than the she- and Sheffield will be. Yeah, yeah. For women's me. women's is completely different. Women's Sheffield is going to trump the USAPL, but on the men's side, if we get that grouping, that is historic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, for sure. So yeah, getting that top ten spot. So now we're just getting top ten in the USAPL on points is going to be like I said earlier is going to be very hard to do, but. Yeah, I just got pumped up for that Keenan Lee, uh, Rondell Hunt battle. Like, really that, I mean, and also it's like the truest of head-to-heads where the Arnold Finals, it's like kind of a battle with between three guys and then a potential for a four and five to sneak in there to the top three. This one is just head-to-head, pro-am is going to happen. You're going to get some really good pro lifters. You're going to get some really good amateur lifters trying to get their pro card. But unfortunately, some of those amateur lifters are Rondell Hunt and Keenan Lee. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be. Like that's said, a very hard amateur against, to beat. I would not be against a way. I would not be against the USAPL changing a rule last minute and offering two pro cards. I don't think anyone would be disappointed with that. No, I actually on so. the female side too because last year with Celine Crum, I you could have gave one to um, uh, Christian, right, and Maria. My, Maya Wright was Maya Wright. No, Maya Wright. Um, Maya Wright, I agree. I agree. Maya Wright and Celine this year, I think, uh, we'll talk about it when it gets sooner, but uh, I think it's going to be Lysha versus Christiane. I think that's the top two going in right now. Mm-hmm. I would be fine with both of those. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, yeah, I'd be all I'd be all for that. Without getting the, more without lifters in the pro series who are good lifters is necessarily a bad thing. Like, it no. really doesn't do anything aside from just giving them a pro card. But, yeah, I, the, I think it'll well, be really the only, good. The do. only thing that it matters more on the men's side is those women will get more chances. Keenan and, and yeah. Rondell will get more chances. Well, yeah, or, but you can't think it, of it It's going to be hard terms. for them to have chances. But you can't think of it in that term. What you say? Right? You can't think of it in that terms where it's like, oh, like this is just two special examples of international lifters. It's more so like you, well, know, you just give two pro like. If you get top three in something, that's good. So, I mean, they used to give money out for so the American Pro and the um, the, the whatever raw they used to call it. Yeah, the, uh, the, yeah, the Raw Challenge and the American Pro or the Pro Raw. Um, they used to give money out to, to top two. So, you can do the same thing on this one. Now, you can just open up the two Pro cards, um, which still leads to some good battles because then you get a potential of, like, say, on the women's side – Lysa or Christian has, you know, poor meets. Then you have someone who's actually creeping up. Um, who was the lifter? Uh, Charlie Leonard last year. Yeah. Was kind of like yep. on like, oh, shit, she's kind of on the come up here and someone that we're really not expecting to get that top three spot. So you can do that um, with this meet as well. Uh, or for the pro-am and give out those two pro cards. But, yeah, Keenan Lee, I think is a definite story, USAPL Korea. But <laughs> I think the, uh, the story – um, was kind of surrounded around Russ, which happens pretty much at everything, right? You often doesn't have best overall lifter, but he's Russ. He's I the face of powerlifting. People are going to talk about it, but he also had a performance that is unprecedented. I can't remember a time where somebody had the highest total in one weight class and then finished the year with the highest total in a weight class above. Yeah. That is... That was, that, that I'm, I'm going to throw in one... Well, a staple meet for I'm gonna, Russ. Oh, 
Sorry, I'm going to throw in one thing real quick because I want people to hear it. Because if we say it after, they might tune out. Uh, Fuji totaling 745 at 75 kilos was a very underrated performance at this meet. Mm -hmm. Oh, he's been he's, he, yeah, he, he competed he's been really good. He for competed a long at time. nationals as a guest lifter. He's been a great lifter, so I just want to throw that out real quick because that was an incredible meet. But yeah, the Russ meet was incredible. I, I think there's two sides of people like who saw this. There was the side that was like, "Holy cow! How did he just add that much to his total in like four or five months?" And then there's other group that's in the know that like, I'm not discrediting he hit the total off. It was incredible. It's just the fact that like Russ is Russ walks around a lot of the year above 90 kilos. He's actually probably more naturally a 90 kilo lifter, which is why we tend to see the, the drop off as he cuts into nationals um, of why he keep his gym. He doesn't hit everyone's like, oh, why didn't he hit his gym list on the platform? Well, because his gym around 90 kilo, he has to cut down to eight and a half. Maybe, uh, maybe we'll see this year that he's able to put that together with if he's not injured and whatnot. But I mean, this is about what I expected to see. I expected probably around 880 if he was 90 kilos and it was fantastic. And as always, um, it, 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 it's it's he doesn't miss lifts. I mean, it's just kind of what he does at this point. Ever since the 2019 Nationals with depth, he's fixed everything, uh, and it was it was amazing. So, I mean, I think all of us want to see it. I don't think it sounds like he's not going to do it. He posted it on a, another page that he has unfinished business or whatever at 82 and a half. It sounds like he wants to stay there for now. I guess maybe mm -hmm. it's the Jawan matchup. Jamar. But I mean, I it's honestly, Jamar. I would. What, Jamar. Jamar. Yeah. I mean, I think that... But Jamar, but Jamar would go with him to 90, though. Yeah, for sure. But I think... Well, here are my thoughts on it. One, um, yeah, like, he doesn't miss lifts anymore. Um, he's turned himself into arguably the one of the better... Well, I mean, it's not arguably. He is one of the better meet day performers, and he just goes out there and hits his lifts. The He misses opener on squat, and I... I Depth. Depth, okay, so uh, so they're judging it quite hard then, if that's the case. And then he was able to go on his second and third and bury it, and I thought there was no question on that. And, yeah, like, he's really not missing any lifts anymore. Um, and at higher weight class, higher weights, he's able to execute. So he's going to be a tough guy to beat on pretty much any weight class. And finishing out the year with the highest hole at 92 is unbelievable. And if this was maybe, like, a different meet – say a Arnold or say a Virginia pro, he would probably be my lifter of the year because he's do he would do something that, you know, at, everyone talks at about Atwood potentially doing and can potentially do. Well, he just did it, but it, you know, it's a, it, it is a local meet. And I think because it's in South Korea, it takes on that prestige of something of a primetime meet, but at the same token, like it is a local meet. Um, it, it's equivalent to, you know, if somebody took his record or someone else's record at a local meet and people are like, oh, that was a great performance. That was amazing. But, you know, it was a local meet, so we'll see what happens when it's actual one-on-one, -on -one, when maybe it's a, a bit quicker pace of a meet, what happens. But if he would have done that at the Virginia Pro or the Arnold, it's like, okay, no question. He's my he's my top lifter of the year. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's... It, I, I liken it to the fact that like it didn't happen, but I remember 2021, Sean was trying to beat the American record total at TSS meet. If he would have done that, it would. I don't think yeah. anyone would have initially said, "Oh, Sean's immediately beating Russ." Russ we need to see the matchup. I believe Russ. I, said I, need, it to, I need to see. What you say? I think Russ said that himself on the podcast we did. I think the first podcast we did is like, "Yeah, it's a, you know, it's a local meet." Like we all know what you do at a local yeah. meet. Like and, you, he's like, "I can go in total I, eight, I would, 860 at a local meet." I'm like. 
you can. Yeah, I, I completely. If Sean would have done it, it would have been. Yeah, we got. It, it's 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 proof that like it can be done, mm-hmm. and now we got to see it in the head to head battle. Um, so I I don't think I had any Russ can total eight eighty ish on a national platform or a pro platform, but there's always. I mean. The fact that when you're in, everyone always talks about when you're at nationals, things are just different. When you're at a pro meet, things are just different because you have to be noted about attempt selection because you're in a battle. So I just, I really want to see Russ versus Petrie. I want to see that actually head to head before I would crown any, either of them as the best 90 kilo lifter. All right. Well, here's all right. So here's then me transitioning to my next point here. What was Russ talking about as far as. People were doubting him. People were forgetting. People were overlooking him. Because I'm like, I don't see anyone really knocking Russ as what he's done as a competitor. One thing I have seen, potentially, is that he's devaluing dots in the pro series, which, if you don't want people to think that, do the pro meets. Do the Arnold. The Arnold is a perfect meet for you. You get a head-to-head matchup, and then also you're surrounding yourself with the best lifters in the world. Or at least in America. I mean, no Sheffield's happening. But if he was in the IPF side, I'm like, you should definitely do Sheffield. You were one of the top guys. Do it. But then on the story, you know, I mean, everyone's seen it. And, you know, his posts. And it's very typical Rusk, Russ-esque. Very Stefan Diggs-like. Very pro-athlete-like. Getting on his story. Talking about he's the best. He's untouchable. Where is this coming from? Who are you talking to right now? Are you talking about Nori? Are you talking about Petrie? The mind wanders. So it's like, all right, meet Petrie. Meet Nori. They're all going to be at this meet head-to-head. You beat Petrie by two and a half kilos. If that's what you're talking about as far as being the best and him in both weight classes, then you meet him in a 90-kilo weight class at the Arnold. That's what you should do. I saw a lot of the Michael Jordan story posts. If you're going to say those Michael Jordan things, you got to do those Michael Jordan things as well, and that's go to those bigger meets. And do it. So, like, the mind wanders. It could have been one of those things, just doing it just to do it, to get people to talk and are having a good time doing it. But I would really like to start seeing him do these meets. I mean, it would, I'd love to see it as a fan of the sport. Um, I mean, I am. I don't have any knowledge of this being the reason. It's just what I, I, I think is an assumption is I, I think one of the reasons I, I think some of these meets don't appeal as much to him. But I think one of the reasons Russ tends to just do nationals is because, like I said, he's he's not he doesn't walk around within distance of cutting for 82 and a half year yeah, round. Exactly. But this but, is perfect because yeah, he, he can kind of just go back. He can he can do nationals at 82. He can do the Arnold at 90 and he can battle both. He can battle all the 82s at nationals. He can battle Petrie and Jamar at the Arnold at 90 and then best of both worlds. Yeah, you get everything, right? You don't have to make that cut. And I, so then the conversation afterwards was whether or not he move up to 90, because I think it's best for him to be a 90 kilo lifter. Just generally speaking, when you're able to hit your gym lifts on the platform and those gym lifts are up there with the best of the world, like not only did he out total Petrie with this meet, he's out total chance as well. And he out totaled a lot of 93s. That is something, you know, like you are now better than, you know, all the people in an incredibly stacked weight class based on that total. So you're up there with him. Like no, and no question he is up there with the best 90 and 93s. So to me, it's like, okay, you move up at that point, especially if you're not consistently able to make a weight cut down 82 and a half, but him going 82 and a half in nationals. I have no problems with that. Selfishly. I wanted to say at 82 and a half, cause I know how much eyes it brings to my weight class. And then if there's more eyes in my weight class, I get advantage of it somehow. Like, you know, this past nationals, 
my pull was good, my pull was great, whatever, but it was elevated because a lot more people were watching it. And if it wasn't quite in that same Russ whirlwind, I don't think people would value it as much. But if no matter what he decides to do, it's the right call, in my opinion. Well, because Russ decides it. Yeah. He decides what is – like. He, he knows it, and he deserves it. He was a big key in what happened in the, the split. If he went yeah. the IPF side, there would have been a lot of shift on the men's side. Just like 82 and 90. We're going to talk about top storylines. Wherever he decides to go ends up being probably the second most intriguing class behind the 110s. Because I, I think people, I mean, especially based off of the story I made, um, just like we are, I think it, the Keenan versus Ash versus Bob is the highlight men's storyline going into next year. Um, but wherever uh, Russ goes, that's where people are going to care. If he goes to 90, then we got him versus Jamar and Petrie at 90. If he goes to 82 and a half, then we've got him versus Jawan versus you versus Sean versus Jamar versus a lot of up and comers, Gerald Scott, Lucky, Kyle yeah. DeLeon. I'm probably even missing some more. You There's so many. Uh, wherever he decides to go, people are going to follow that. Yeah. And that, that's going to be the class that people care about. So he, he that, like you said, he can't go wrong. There's no right or wrong here. As a fan, I would like to see him at 90 just because I just, I like seeing just the absolute load on the bar of him being able to hit his true full potential of what I think is like because of his, his normal body weight and where he tends to be the strongest. I just, I just like to see, I would love to see that. Love to see him against Petrie. Um, but yeah, where he goes is the right decision because everyone else is going to follow that. Well, yeah, and well, as a competitor and as a fan, it's like I would like them to say eighty-two and a half for this upcoming nationals, and then after that, we could possibly see him on the platform more at ninety, which would be better for the sport. More Russ on a platform is a good thing for the sport because he adds a level of intrigue, and he is one of the top lifters um, in the world. And really, and I know he doesn't value dots as much, but 572 dots puts you in a position to get top three at the Arnold final. And then if you could keep on building off that, which he does, he does make that progress. Um, because, I mean, like two years' time or one year time, he was hitting 750 at about high 80s, low 90 kilo as his body weight. Now he's at 771. Like, mm-hmm. should that have lifted a count, I probably would have red-lighted it, but he fought with it, and there's going to be a point where he's going to be able to do that, where he's going to creep up to 800. You have you have to have that idea that he's going to be able to elevate his deadlift very similar to the way he's been elevating his squat. So, mm-hmm. yeah, at, like, at a point, I would like to see him at 90, and I just think that's going to naturally happen because if... Again, like if you if you're 89 kilos going into this meets, or if you have maybe had to cut down to you know just get to 90 just a bit here, uh, you know that that. But he weighed 90. He weighed 98.1 for the 198. Now the 198 weight class isn't literal 198. I forget what it is, but he he was literal. I, I don't know if this is the case, but I honestly think he may have had to. He probably had to watch to get into it, or maybe cut a little bit. Yeah. Because exactly. I, I, I've heard. I, I he just posted about. It, so I'm not saying anything that isn't wrong. He. I think he usually walked around around like 91 maybe even 92 yeah i i mean you can tell just by looking at him it's like okay you're you're huge you're a big you are the biggest 82 and a half kilo lifter and that's how good he is he's able to make that cut to get down 82 and a half and still beat us pretty convincingly and no one has challenged him since brett gibbs but um if he goes up to 90 it'll still he would still have that 
you know, competitiveness and also, you know, just the allure to him um, because and then it adds more of a compelling matchup. Because Russ versus Petrie is is something that people tune into because Petrie has now built up so much momentum, I think, as a powerlifter, but also as a, like, a persona. Not really a persona. I don't know how to... He's got the clout now. He's got the influence. People saw his face. That's that's really it. People saw the lifts and it's like, oh, shit. He's also a beautiful, beautiful, handsome man on top of that. Um, so people would tune into that. But to me, Petrie is still him. Petrie is still him at that weight class. Russ out-totaled him, but Petrie has not put down his cards I'm, and competed. I'm judging you for using that terminology. Well, I'm going to use the terminology that was being used by Russ. I'm him in two weight classes. Petrie is still him. Until you're able to go, go head-to-head against him, go one-on-one with with him, and the best place to do that is going to be the Arnold. Hell, do something. I want our. I want. I want Russ at the Arnold at any capacity, right? Like, yep. Bob's doing the Arnold. Ash is doing the Arnold. They just competed next year. I will say, twenty twenty four. If things line up like we think it could, I can't see how the appeal wouldn't be there. How is the appeal not here now? Like, that's the thing that I just don't understand. How is the appeal not because, there? Because the because because the pro series sucked this year. Sure, and there's there's it there's doesn't not, need to suck if you just are there in the finals. Okay, there's not enough hype. You don't need hype going into finals from the USAPL. Since when has the USAPL created hype for anything? They have never broadcasted the Russ and Sean storyline. Powerlifting in general doesn't have the hype going into the finale like they are for like Sheffield. Sheffield is more way more hype than the finale. Finals. Sorry, we're just saying finals now. Sheffield has way more hype than the finals, even though arguably on the men's side, the finals has a better lineup. And it's because the Pro Series this year sucked. There isn't much momentum because no one understood what was going on okay. next year or this coming year. It should make sense to where I think there should be a lot more organic hype leading into it. Sure. You know how you get around that is just have the, the knowing that Russ is doing it. And then all that changes. The Arnold finals turns into something way more interesting. If Russ just commits to it. Oh, I agree. I'm just saying I can understand the point of view that the Pro Series sucked and it's not as appealing this year as I think it will be next year. I, I still, I, 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 I get that part. I'm not disagreeing with you there, but I think it's just, it, appeal is what you make of it. Appeal, if you are a competitor, and Russ broadcasts a lot that he is a competitor, is Bob, Ash, Petrie, Noriega. That's the appeal. I mean, you do, you do. I mean, whatever he wants That's to do, my he, appeal. He get a weight class battle. I'm just, he I'm psyched. get a weight class battle wherever he wants to be. I'm psyched to compete. I'm psyched, like, that's the appeal for me. I'm psyched to compete against other really, really good lifters at a big stage. How is he not appealed by that? Like, that's, that's the one thing I'm hard, having a hard time wrapping my head around. Also, with the amount of eyes at the Arnold, there's a shit ton of people there. He's a businessman. The reason why he stayed in the USAPL is for business decisions, right? That's what he said. Am I being facetious? I don't know if it was if it was blatantly stated that, but that's uh, the understanding of most is obviously with his with GBT. The market is within the USAPL. Okay, so if it's at the Arnold, what more? What better fitness event is there? I it, I think it trumps the Olympia. As far as what it means for strength sports, because you got strongman, you got powerlifting, you got bodybuilding, you get a lot at the Arnold. You get a lot of eyes. It's a huge social media event. 
you have a lot of Get Better Today fans, a lot of Rust fans, a lot of fans of powerlifting, and there's no appeal there still. I don't, I don't like it. I don't buy it. There's got to be appeal. Wait, wait, it. We, we didn't even have this in, in our outline, but this this has turned into uh, Angelo is pleading for Rusty to the Arnold podcast. Yeah, I said on my story, it's perfect. It'll be great for powerlifting. That month is going to be the best month for powerlifting if it's utilized correctly. Because we have Powerlifting America Nationals, the Arnold, and then Sheffield. I don't care about what is better than the other. I want all of them to be amazing so more people view it and more people get involved in the sport and then everyone gets the exposure and everyone potentially gets some money out of this where we can make that elevation where powerlifting is a legitimate competitive sport and we need stuff like this. I want Sheffield to have the best comp. I want Jesus to murder it at Sheffield. I want Taylor Atwood to murder at Sheffield. I want all lifters to have really good meets there so we can talk about something after Sheffield. And people be inspired by Sheffield. I want the same thing to happen at the Arnold. I want there to be great head-to-head competitions. I want them to put their best foot forward as well and have incredible totals where people get inspired. Same thing with Powerlifting American Nationals, where there's there's a, a, a storyline there, where there's drama there. That is going to help the sport. And like the biggest cash cow in the sport is Russ, and we're not going to see him at Sheffield, Powerlifting American Nationals, or the Arnold. He's He's the diamond. We need him there. We need him thrown in there. Imagine the, imagine how good of a graphic it'll look adding Russ to Bob Petrie and Ash. I don't disagree, Beautiful. but I think you're making the wrong argument to persuade him. It's not we need him there. It's what does it do for him? But I do agree. I agree on from a branding element. There is no better place to put together a performance than at the Arnold. Um, still the most electric i've ever seen powerlifting is when dana lynn bailey was competing in 2017 18 and then race squats yeah uh, because you get just floods of general fitness population coming in so legitimate so, it's a i would love to see it as a fan i would love to see it i mean i he it's his choice i i just would love to see it as a fan uh, potentially a two white lights interview i have done it in person with him before so maybe me actually trying to plead with him in person to do it like i I wanted, I mean, personally, initially I wanted him to do it 82 and a half kilos because I would like to compete against him head to head. But, you know, you got that chance at the Arnold. It's just a long time to wait. But now it's like totally different where it's you, you can actually have a really good matchup with Petrie and potentially put yourself into a high formula. Um, but we're talking about the Arnold. Let's talk about another big time bodybuilding event. Yeah. The Olympia. The Olympia took place. I don't give a shit. <laughs> about the Olympia at all. Um, I, I I don't care about Bob. Who won the Olympia? Oh, I forget his name. It wasn't Big Ron. Okay, so if you forget his name. So if you forget his name. Like Connie something. Okay. I don't know. You forgot Ani. his name. So it's not C-Bumps. I, C-Bump won the, yeah. men's, the men's classic mustache. whatever. Excellent. So that's what matters. Top tier mustache. Okay. So the reason why we're talking about the Olympia, I mean, and this is going to strike a chord with definitely two white lights and two white lights fans and definitely the host or the co-host of the show, the rhino cage. Kind of replacing the animal cage. Yeah. What we saw at the Arnold also, something that needs to come back. And we saw um, a lot of people. We saw some exhibition lifts. We saw lifts that or exhibition things that don't count. They're not competitions. Um, and of course, if they're not actual competitions, they will not be sanctioned by WADA or not sanctioned by, yeah, it would it be, would that be the correct verbiage sanctioned by WADA? I want to make sure I have all my non, non, 
non-WADA recognized event okay. is the terminology used on the website. There you go. So if you are in the USAPL, you can do that. You can go at the Rhino Cage. You can do whatever you want. I didn't see a whole lot of USAPL lifters there. I think I saw zero. But I did see Powerlifting America lifters there. Um, Taylor Sheffield IPF lifters. That's, yeah, that too. Sheffield IPF. Because we, we, we do need to distinguish the fact that I mean, this is something something that's weird. We're going to talk about inconsistencies in general, but there's IPF rules, and then I, I'm not even going to fault Powerlifting America because at least the majority of the rules that I think are stupid, Powerlifting America for the most part is not enforcing. It's coming from the IPF. Like what we're getting at, the summit came from the IPF. The Rondell came from the IPF. Okay. Well, just in the longest buildup in history, Delaney Wallace and Taylor Atwood were there doing exhibition lifts, and immediately they re they received and to caveat they received permission directly from yeah. the IPF to do so. Yeah, they were doing nothing wrong or against the rules. Yeah, again, yeah, we have to nothing add that wrong in. That they did. Yeah, we have to add that in because this the, the whole reason for this is just kind of the ridiculousness of the IPF and, in my opinion, Powerlifting America too, because. What happened at the Corrupted Summit is lifters were told not to do it because they might be violating a WADA code of conduct and they can find themselves suspended and not do nationals. So, you know, Pablo, Jesus, and Jessica were not able to do, you know, events that they signed up for. And we're like, okay, that's bullshit because you told us three days before this. And But this one is totally in the clear in spite of Micah Marino and Ed Cohen being there. Yep. Which yeah. should be a no. Yeah, you're you're gonna have, you're gonna have a tough time letting me understand that. I mean, maybe there's some context. Maybe like they could only do it, but Ed and Micah couldn't be present during the event. Like they had when they lifted, they couldn't be present, but they could be present at other times. I I don't know. I just I the rule shouldn't exist. I would love. I would love that shouldn't exist. It's a stupid rule. It's a stupid and it's dumb. A rule that is not what is. It's not a water rule. It is an IPF rule that. Only it has nothing to do with WADA, even though they say it's a not it's 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 not a WADA code of conduct issue. It is a strictly an IPF enforced issue. Um, it's a stupid rule, but even stupider is the inconsistency of the application. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the point oh. here. Is the fact that it was ignored is it's actually good in my opinion that you're just ignoring this shit now because it's just dumb. It was one of the dumbest rules in powerlifting. Hated it. People tried to. Explain to me the logic behind it, or at least, you know, make arguments for it. No, uh, it, it's dumb. And how many times were American lifters or people in America not able to compete alongside, you know, Jamal Browner or something at the showdown or do these untested meets where you have money, where there was the only real big cash meet in powerlifting and people on the untested side like Ash, Taylor Atwood, Russ could potentially win some money, but they'll lose a world team spot because they'll get suspended for a year. We had to avoid those. We had to avoid those meets because WADA suspended people were there. And then the Corrupted Summit was like the easiest one because like, okay, we're all drug tested here. I understand that we're suspended, but we're talking about exhibition lifts and it's essentially hanging out and lifting with your friends, but they were not allowed to do that. But then you have this. It's like, okay, if there is one inconsistency, there's too many inconsistencies. So I'm going to throw out two things because this is, this is where someone who is against us may argue context. The specific things that were apparently the issue with the Corrupted Summit is that there were referees. Angelo, 
Who are the referees? Some fucking or guy. Was there in the even stands. referees? Yeah. The, well, there was a guy we that literally. Was just made, hey, dude, give us a down command. That was it. Yeah, we literally had a guy in the front who was just standing. He was just sitting there already. We just said, "Hey, give a down command," just so we have consistency here. As well as we did use lifting casts, but we literally only used lifting casts so we knew what to load because I freaking don't know how to load thirteen hundred pounds. I don't know what that is in kilos. So we used lifting casts so we had a loading device. And we could display it on the screen. It had nothing to do with being a competition. Well, I mean, it wasn't a competition. So that right? was because one of the issues. You don't and do a tandem deadlift in competitions. Second, there was prize money. But we, we, were, we weren't giving prize money, per se. We were paying all the people who attended in a fun way. But I guess you could call that prize money. Because every single pro that attended who did events got paid. You got money. Every single person got money. And that was our way to pay. I Maybe I'm speaking out of context. Maybe I'm wrong. Were Delaney and Taylor compensated for their travel in any way to do this? I don't or know. Or was this completely on their dime? Maybe, maybe not, and that's going to be a speculation, but I still... That would be where, if there was no referees, which I'm going to argue the Corrupted Summit had no referees, okay, we let's, let's yeah. trash that one because neither of them had referees. <laughs> I'm not going to argue. The Corrupted Summit, The Corrupted Summit did pay people to be there. So if Taylor and Delaney did not get paid to be there... Maybe that's the adjustment. But then how do you argue about Ed and Micah? Again, the, I, we're using Taney and Delaney's, Taylor and Delaney's name. They did nothing wrong. No, I'm very they happy they got to do this event. The issue is, is the inconsistency of what are these rules. And really what I would ask, um, the, I, just let us know. Like There needs to be, it's so vague in the rule book. And the issue with that is that we believe that there's politics involved in how the application is, which is what the how it looks how it's framed because of things that happen i would rather to not have to talk about this and have very distinct rules that we know is in place and then we can just follow those we can know that the rules we don't like them but at least we know the rules yeah sure i i i get that i really want the rule to be changed um if it could be interpreted a little better that'd be you know a fantastic thing and yeah like you said earlier delaney and taylor did nothing wrong in doing this they had i i they had permission, and I, and I knew, like, okay, they're going to be doing this. There's no way that they were going to risk Sheffield to do this. No fucking way. So, just using common sense, like, all right, they told them they were able to do that, but when you look at how they've been enforcing some of their rules in the past and the, the kind of murkiness of this, it's clear that it needs more clarification, but also, if there's an inconsistency on how you're enforcing these rules, and this is serious, this is you suspending people. This is you not allowing people to compete at a meet, a big meet, or taking people off the world game spot or a world team spot. If you are inconsistent just one time, it's too many times. Yeah. It's like, it's, I mean, if it wasn't the, uh, the USAPL. I don't know if I want to call it inconsistent. Well, it's inconsistent. USAPL was kicked out of the IPF because of their inconsistency with following the rules set for drug testing. Yeah. If you are inconsistent. Is that, is, that a, is, that a, is that a correct statement in saying it was inconsistent with what they were supposed to do? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's I correct. Guess. I well, some Someone will tell us after the podcast. And it, it's it's that's just a principal thing for me. Even if it's one time, because people will be, because people could tell you like, okay, maybe you're wrong in here. Like I said something incorrect on my story. People were not suspended for attending a seminar with Ed Cohen. They were told they couldn't do a seminar with Ed Cohen. So it's a bit different. So, you know, based on what I said, that was incorrect. It was like, okay, still, I 
think there's some inconsistencies how you're enforcing that one as opposed to doing a rhino cage because I think it's almost the same thing because it's just a seminar. Like, are you banned to talk to Ed Cohen? Are you banned to be photographed with Ed Cohen? Like, what's the... Ed, Ed Cohen used to hang out in the warrant room at the Arnold. Yeah. He did... He was always, at, he was always at Nationals. Or he was at Nationals in Lombard the entire time. So, like... It's hard to enforce these things, and then also, like, people are looking to see if USAPL lifters are, are Power of the America lifters are at USAPL meets, like, coaching and doing those stuff. It's like, okay, wait, hold on. How are you going to enforce this, right? Because there's been clear evidence of Ours, other coaches doing it as well. So how is this being enforced? Is it, is it are well, you targeting we, people? What's going on? Well, that's where the inconsistency between – that's why I'm not saying Power of the America because – as far as I know, they have not suspended any coach back and forth, and they have not suspended referees, not suspended athletes coaching at you. Or, or that. They have not done any of that. The only, the only one I know of, of a U.S. lifter is Isaac. And correct, I have to correct myself. I said on a different podcast that it was Powerlifting America. No, it was USVI that suspended him as an athlete for coaching at a non-WADA uh, national meet or IPL Worlds. Or yeah, I think it was USPA IPL Worlds. National. Yeah. yeah. They suspended him. Powerlifting America, as far as I know, has not suspended. Well, they anyone. told they Jesus, seem to be right. They told Jesus, Jessica, well, and Pablo. Not but that was coming from the that was supposedly coming from the IPF, though. Okay. Okay. Now there's there's some. I'm not going to get into it, but there's some gray lines in that. But I, I don't know I, of Powerlifting America that. enforcing those rules. My just my sca- I, I hope they don't. I really hope they don't. Well, then my we're in the same just, situation, right? This is if, again. If they if they ever do, then we're going to have an inconsistent podcast again of like okay well why like if i show up at powerlifting american nationals i'm not allowed to coach yeah well power well, exactly so if powerlifting america starts not following rules and doing what they want to do how is it any different from having the usapl which again i can go into my master plan which is just take the usapl if things go bad and move it into powerlifting america and then in five years there will be an issue with how we do drug testing because there's way too many people within our federation and we'll just repeat the cycle create another federation take all those lifters and put it back in and just keep on name changing things like uh the, the crazy thing about the michael michael scott yeah. paper company is there's 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 in infinite amount of names yeah exactly like, li- yeah lifting america that's what i was about to get at lift lifting america powerlifting america national <laughs> the national powerlifting association <laughs> like just keep doing it just keep on doing it until there's no names uh, until there's no names left and luckily there's an infinite amount of names so that's my plan and i think it's foolproof my two plans this year i think have been the most fool- foolproof in powerlifting that one or not rules, but ideas. And then also just telling people not to bench press in a stupid manner and tell them to go back in the warm-up room and fix their bench press. Angelo for IPF president. I am. I will be part of just the, the common sense committee, which I'm not an intelligent man, but I have common sense. Those are the two easiest ways to get around this whole situation is just by thinking about it in the most simple terms. Um, but yeah, uh, something that was, you know, a hot button topic this week, especially with what we shared with Rondell and, and that episode as well. So people wanted a little bit more answers on that. Um, again, like this is the issues, this is the issues I'm just having with federations. I mean, Again, we we uh, once again got the label of being anti IPF and a- anti powerlifting oh, America. But I kind a, of alluded to it. 
There's a there's a USAPL one about recently. Not happy about no about not to talk about it by the individual. So we're not going to talk. But if we could, I w- would be flaming it. Yeah. Oh yeah. It would it is, be. It is not just the IPS. I would. I mean, I think I've had way more angry rants about the USAPL. I think I've started yelling into my microphone oh, many times. Twenty twenty one. Didn't we almost try and disband and get everyone to go to USPA for a second? Yeah, we had a we had an episode that was marketing for USPA pretty much. Um, yeah. But. Uh, like yeah, so, uh, but like I, it, it's it's issues with federations that just seem to always happen. All right, so power ranking the storylines for twenty twenty three. I'm very excited to do this one. Well, there's one thing that we can power rank number one going into twenty twenty three, and that's Left Floor Bros being the best merchandise in powerlifting and having the best merchandise in powerlifting. Ladies and gentlemen, go to leftlarbros.com and make sure you're following them on Instagram as well and check out all the merchandise they have. They make you look good in the gym, out the gym, on the platform, off the platform, head to toe, dad hats, t-shirts, graphic tees, tank tops. We got some joggers. You got some shorts. You got some socks all on leftlarbros.com. Use that promo code 2WL15 and also... Orc 15 in the quickest piss break I've ever seen in powerlifting. Congratulations. You have the record for that. Oh, I can, I can, I can let it flow, but you, you missed one very important part of that ad read, which honestly may be my best work of the year outside of making squat mean deadlifts top 10, um, on, uh, memes. Yeah. Considering I was the person that wasn't an elite level lifter on that. My, my other best thing is the fact that the CB peak fit feet pick thing is actually caught on like that. That's an actual legitimate thing now, and I am so proud of that. So, yeah, make sure to use Order 15. Make sure to send DBCB your feet picks. Use. He's starting to get a database to the point where, like, I, I think we're going to get to the point where we, we could possibly have a raid on his computer and hard drive. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, or use Orc, fi- use Orc 15 for every sock purchase you make. Yes. Only sock purchases. Or Honestly, we should do a, a – CB should make a special code, Orc 20 – for sock purchases only. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Sock purchases. Um, I mean, it's too on the nose to not do. So make sure you're going to leftlarbros.com, follow them on Instagram, and make sure you're getting their merchandise. All right, power ranking the biggest storylines in the 2023, and this is going to be a lot of speculation. We could be way off here if on if any of these things become storylines. But hit me with them, Steve. Are we going to go through? Every single one of them at first, or we want to break it because we got a lot. We got a lot. Yeah, you sent me a but I sent me a list. (laughs) I kind of split them into men, women, and then federation topics. Yeah. And do you want to do you want to power rank them as a whole, or do you want to power rank men, women, and fed separately? I probably say as a whole, but we can go through it. Probably as easiest. We power rank them as a whole, but we need to go through them as men, women, and fed, or else it's going to get it's going to be back and forth on everything. Yeah, for sure. So here's what I'll do. Here's what we're going to do. For men, I'm going to list them all off, and then you can start with whatever one you think is your hot topic, and we'll kind of start like making notes of the ones. So, men, Rondell and Keenan going USAPL and actually getting to compete in the Pro Series. Two, Keenan Bob versus Ashton actually having direct head to head matchups in their weight class. Three, the craziness that could be the 82 and a half or 90 kilo class at USAPL. We already discussed it. Wherever Russ goes kind of dictates everything. If Russ goes to 90, you're going to have Russ, uh, Jamar, and Petrie going head-to-head from what I know. And if you get him going to 82 and a half, it's going to be Russ versus Jamar versus Angelo versus Sean versus Jawan versus I'm, I'm missing some. 
Gruden's gone, but there's so many. I'm sorry for whoever I'm leaving out because I just don't have a full list of all the 82s. Next up, what is Jesus' total? Yeah. Does he go 2,500 plus? Um, which I've got some some there of kind of what I want to talk about there because I think there's there's some things there that are interesting within kind of his possibilities there. Uh, the 75 kilo class at USAPL Nats, like it was stacked this year in the sense of competitive. It may not have been stacked in the sense of like competitiveness in relation to Taylor. Like I think that was one downsize of the 75 kilo classes. You got Taylor doing 790 plus, and then you got the winner doing 742 and a half. And it was, it was incredible class, but it didn't get the height because of that. This next year, Perk, Bornstein, Anas, Eric, Cameron, even more. I mean, Jacob Ramos, um, we could, we could see the top three all going 770 plus and actually probably maybe well, see what Taylor does this year, uh, being incredibly competitive. Um, we've got the rematch of the 93 at IPF Worlds, Keiko versus Chance versus Krasta versus Headland. Um, the 67 and a half kilo men across both feds, honestly, I, I, I wish we could see them combined, but the 67 and a half kilo class is just stacked. Mm -hmm. You got Dan, Morgan, Panna, Eddie Berglund, Joe Jordan, uh, I'm missing some Yuyi, 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 no, 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 not him. No, not, no, I fuck. I, yeah, I forget his name. He's competing at Sheffield. I forget his name now. I'm, I'm blanking on it. Good. Um, that's what I've got for men. So what one sticks out for you? Um, well, I mean, if it's, I mean, I guess this episode alone, uh, what we talked about previously, whatever Russ decides to do becomes a story because we've seen it happen before, right? I mean, I love, personally, I love the 93s. I love what we saw at IPF Worlds. I love the competitiveness of five people potentially being able to win. And then now you got this great chance and Keiko storyline kind of unfolding. But then there's Emil uh, thrown in there as well. You can't count Gavin out. I love that stuff. But I see what Russ does to powerlifting. Mm -hmm. He gets people talking. He has the most, I think, the most fans and the most loyal fans in powerlifting. Whatever he decides to do becomes the story. So if he stays at 82 and a half, Here's, we're going to get the news cycle for about eight weeks of... Which creates more storyline? Him at 82 us. or him at 90? Well, that's hard. That one's hard. And, ooh, it, that is a really difficult I, one. I, Naturally? I think I'd argue, I think I'd argue 90. Natu naturally speaking, like uh, when I say naturally, like an organic sort of like storyline and getting people talking would be him at 90 because you have Petrie and Jamar there um, because Russ will probably dictate Jamar staying where he or staying at that weight class. Um, Petrie also, is a people who are still are. I'm going to sign because we said it for the last month. Sean, are you two and a half? Just, oh, yeah. All right, are we breaking news? Yeah, we're, yeah, I. It's not breaking news. We've said it for a month, but people are going to be like, like, I guarantee if Russ goes 90 and Russ and Sean stays 82, oh, he's running. Oh, yeah. He, he well, went, went, no, he's, people are not going to listen. Yeah, well, people will miss this. So, because not yeah. everyone in powerlifting so, is into white lights, even though they should. Yes. Naturally speaking, organically. Here's the, oh, what? Here's the caveat to 82 and a half, though. It's a thing that I think a lot of people on the untested side, they, they don't, I mean, you care about what you're, what you do. Tested lifters care more about tested. Untested care more about untested. Jawan versus Russ would bring in a demographic to watching USAPL that currently isn't there. 
well, that's that's kind of the point I was going to get at here. Um, is I think a, organically, Petrie, Jamar, and Russ creates this great storyline simply because of the lifting, their accomplishments, who they are. You can get a lot of great stuff there. Also, there's a nice, I mean, again, you go on Russ's story, it seems like, just to me, taking some shots at the national champion, Brandon Petrie. Just, that's not, that's, that's, that's just me, though. That's just me, what I see. I could be totally wrong on this. But it adds something. They're both in Houston. You know, they. Well, I mean, there were some, un, there were some unfollows. Well, so we, I don't hey, we don't know when that happened. Hey, we don't know when that happened. We don't know when that happened. There's no confirmation yeah. on when that happened. But. So I think that does naturally give a good storyline. Him going to 82 and a half brings Jawan into the conversation. I think that's a big story would be him more so Jawan as opposed to me, um, Nori. And then also also Jamar, even I think that's his main motivation because Jamar is the only guy right now who's got closer to Russ's uh, world record total. So mm-hmm. I, I think I think in Russ's mind it's not Jawan, it's Jamar. But Jawan, I don't know if you guys follow Jawan, he does throw a subtle shit talk in to Russ, and I think once we get the ball rolling into nationals, that will be elevated, and then it will bring a different demographic in. Well, they will get involved, and that would kind of spark more of a storyline. It's just that it, it, it will be kind of a mess. It'll be a little bit messy between the two because it's like Russ is possibly thinking about Jamar more so than Jawan. And, you know, also Jawan signed up for nationals. Looks like he's fully committed. I'm not going to believe it until he steps on that platform. So it could just be a complete wash of a storyline right there. Then if Russ does go up, then maybe Jawan doesn't even do it. I don't know. But I, I like I'm seeing a natural storyline with Petrie and Russ and Jamar. And then kind of a crazy storyline, a chaotic storyline with Jawan, Russ, Jamar, and, you know, myself and Nori. And I think myself and Nori actually almost falls a little bit. Oh, it will because of the novelty of the new, like, people want the new storyline. I don't think, I mean, I'm, I'm going to say that I don't, like, come Nationals next year, if, if I'm looking at Russ has to be the favorite, I don't think I could, outside of the fact that, obviously, I coach Sean, so I'm going to say... I'm going to prop him up and I definitely think he can do what I think he can do. The perception from a whole, I'm going to say as a whole of powerlifting, I don't think there's going to be much distinction between Sean, Angelo, Jamar, and Jawan within USAPL of what people can total. I think on the untested side, they're going to say Jawan can total 880 or whatever it is because he can't. But I think the perception will be that group will be pretty darn close. Yeah. Yeah, and then Russ will be kind of tier one. Yeah, for sure. I agree. I mean, that's kind of that's kind of the kind of going in every nationals. It's like Russ is still on an island, but if he goes up to ninety, he's not on an island anymore. And I, I, I do not have him as a favorite to win. Yeah, I agree. I right? would, like, I would I, have Petrie as my. It'll favorite be the only time he's, he's not the favorite since Gibbs. Yep, I think eighty. So as we're talking about it, I think eighty-two and a half would probably get more of a storyline because I think of the untested side and how much crap talking they will be because they don't care. Mm-hmm. They will, I think there will well, be so- a huge bandwagon on Joanne. And I think the amount of trash talk will be something we have not seen. Well, Joanne too prior. has kind of did it as well. Like, again, if you're going through his stories, like he just kind of says things. He, oh, said he was he's doing gonna, in I think some he said comments he's gonna, this week. Yeah. He's going to spank, spank his ass or something. 
going to be uh, going to beat that ass though. And he said that on the thing. I'm like, okay, like if Russ takes things personally, if he took the Candido thing personally, I think this one will be up there because you know, it, it is equivalent to like what if Noriega said that? Like Kawan's total what he did at that local meet is comparable to Noriega's. You know, it's not that far off mm-hmm. as far as total goes. I mean, it was a local meet that he came off of another meet and he wasn't fully ready for it. It's comparable. So what if Sean said, I'm, I'm going to beat that ass? Probably pisses off Russ and Flex quite a bit, right? Kawan's saying it, and it's kind of flying under the radar, and I think they don't want to give that attention to Kawan and Alex just yet. And that's his coach, Alex Usar. I don't think they want to do that just yet, but I think it's going to come to a fever pitch where it, it's going to eventually get more out in the open. And from what it seems like, if I'm going to make a bet, I think a hundred, I'm, I'm going to put a large substantial bet that Russ goes 82 and a half. I'm very confident that he will stick with 82 and a half. Well, he said it on a post. Exactly. He said that, uh, but people are still done, talking yeah. about like him moving up. Like, no, I, he said, I, even before that post, I was like, he's going to stay 82 and a half. He's been very clear that he wants to get one more national title and go against Jamar. He has made that clear too, that he wants to compete against Jamar. And it, 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 I mean, I was there. I was at Corrupted Classic. Like, there was a conversation there. Like, me and Russ and I told Jamar, you've got to stay in this weight class now. So, if if he's saying that, you know you you can use you you know you can use your context clues um, to figure out what Russ is going to do for this next meet, in spite of what he did at ninety. But the great thing uh, is, you well, can do both. How much we? How much we just talked about this, I think I know which one you care about the most, and it makes sense, considering yeah. that is your weight class. I'm going to say, it, I don't think people are going to talk about it as much. I think it's going to be something historically we look back on, is what is Jesus' total? Yeah. For if sure. he totals 2,500, historically, that may be something we look back on as the most memorable thing of 2023, but I don't know if people are going to hype it up until it happens in the moment. And the caveat I was going to say, I still, I'm not saying he's not going to do it. I I think he can hundred percent. The only interesting thing with Jesus is I'm going to assume he's getting a wild card spot in Sheffield. Yeah. I think that has to be an assumption. At this point, we're all putting him in Sheffield. Like I keep on, and then he's going to do, I keep on leaving him out. And then he's going to do IPF worlds. Mm -hmm. So he may, only be international meets this year, which we just we know from either judging perspective and or traveling perspective from a heavyweight lifter is just a little bit tougher. If he does that on either of those stages, then it's bar none to me. Storyline of the year on the men's side, best lifter of the year, sure, most impressive thing, history of powerlifting. Yeah, sure, I agree with you on that. It's definitely the storyline, but the only thing. As far as the storyline goes, it has to happen, right? If it doesn't happen, yeah. then it's no longer st- like that storyline. Well, that's why that's it's why I said end, it's, yeah. the anticipation isn't quite as much there yeah, because exactly. it has to happen versus like the other things are, are kind of happening. The Jesus thing, if it happens, then it is a storyline of the year. That last deadlift he would have to hit in order to get it would be potentially the greatest, the greatest moment in powerlifting. Because I, like people think mm-hmm. about Ray with the squat, it'll be Jesus with the deadlift. Yeah, in order to cap that off, so Jesus's deadlift is his best lift, which is insane. How good yeah. his deadlift is for yeah, heavyweight. It's, it's yeah, it's ridiculous. So. Um, in spite mm-hmm. of me out pulling him uh, twice, uh, <laughs> so out pulling me at two, out pulling him at two meets. But um, yeah, I, I I agree with you there. Um, it would be definitely as far as up there as storyline goes. If it happens, it might be my number one. Like 
that moment kind of trumps all. But with this storyline with Russ and like any weight class storyline, um, it's like if people have bad meats, that's a storyline. Right? What if someone sucks? What if Juwan sucks? What if Russ sucks at the meat? Mm-hmm. Like then that actually it's still a storyline. It's still something yeah, we talk still a story about. Line, it's but... meme too. Yeah. People are gonna be mean to people if that happens. This is one of the only weight classes where like they are mean to the people who don't do well. They don't really do that to the ninety threes and nineties. They are mean with the 82 and a half and 75 kilo lifters or 74 kilo lifters. Oh, I know that. You... I just did my recap post for Sean. I was like, this is going to be one of my most shared posts, but it's not going to be story shares. It's going to be group chat shares. And yeah, within like 10 minutes, it had like, I would like to point shares. out, I like to point out really quick though, that Nori still totaled 825 with a 606 squat. There's always something there for me, like for Sean. I'm like, you still totaled something pretty damn good. With the six oh six squat, it's always something there. Like I can go, like it. it oh, it's. I mean, he is we, the classic Sopranos or not Sopranos, Godfather three. Just when I thought I was out, he pulls me back in. I anyone in the know or has any like the actual understanding of powerlifting, not trolls, understands that if he ever puts together the full meat, it could be crazy. It's just yeah, but we know he can squat happening. over two seventy five at least. You know, we know he can do that. Not a hard lift for him to accomplish, but all right, we're, we're getting into different subjects here. I'm just saying, you know, like, okay. still, I'm like, I'm going to put out one more. I mean, we, we talked about the other ones. I'm going to put out one more that I think has to be mentioned on the men's side. That's going to be anticipated. It has to be the rematch of the 93s. Yeah. I don't know about you. I want to see it, but I don't, maybe I'm not as excited because one Gustav has kind of fallen off a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I consider him in that, conversation anymore with chance keiko and emil i think they're the three now i'm gonna add something what, what are you rolling your eyes for no, i'm not rolling my eyes he asked me how long i've been working with joe ah yeah interesting i'm gonna edit that out but because it was a private yeah. conversation because he never spoke to me once <laughs> he is never he just followed me recently and it was like how long have you been working with joe i'm like uh two years and he just sends me this like Okay. <laughs> nice. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. All right. I got. But yeah, because of that, and because one, I don't know if Gustav. We'll see. Could be proven wrong. I don't think Gustav is quite in the picture anymore. Um, at least in the current day, in the storyline of like the anticipation of it, as well as I don't know. It's hard to top what happened in twenty twenty two. It would be really hard to top that. And honestly, I, I almost feel like. We're going to kind of get that battle. I mean, I'm I'm assuming either Chance, Emil, or both. Or not Chance. Keiko, Emil, or both are going to get into Sheffield. One of them at least is going to get in there, so we're going to get it. I'm anticipating it, but it, it's almost hard. It, it's always like the things we haven't seen are more exciting than the things we already have seen. So that's sure. the only reason I... That but, uh, well, you say there, that. But well, like, Keenan, I disagree with you. The things we have seen are exciting the things we haven't seen. What's the number one storyline every single year? Russ for Sean. That happens every year. And the same result happens every single year. But it's still the biggest storyline based, sorry, pure moose meat, but based on analytics, it is still our biggest post that we get per year. But I, I'm going to I'm going to interrupt you um, w- with the 93s. And it's just like they're all, aside from chance, pretty low-key, soft-spoken dudes. And that's why... 
I don't think it has that same like thing. Cause I think if it oh, was a little bit different, if it was like, even if it was bad, you know, like them being a little bit more abrasive personalities, like what we got with 74s where I thought I'm like, it was more annoying than anything. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really natural. I, I think then like people are really looking forward to the 93s. The great thing about the 93s, it's purely lifting, purely lifting based. No other fan base thing. No other, you know, um, uh, smoke and mirrors. It's just they're really good lifters. And they're competing against each other. That's that's a classic storyline. They're just really good. I mean, the only other thing I'll throw out, maybe some people wouldn't be happy. I mean, my prediction Petrie will separate himself as the best 90 to 93 in the world next year. Maybe that kind of all, like, I, I, I'm, I'm, I would like to see Petrie in that battle. Well, imagine if you throw Russ in the mix again, this is, this is weird. It's like, I don't know if people well, are going to perceive this as a Russ pro goes, Russ podcast was... or an anti-Russ podcast based on what I've said, but you throw Russ in even the 93s, go powerlifting America IPF route. How much more you get Keiko chance Russ. Yeah, storylines galore. People will love that. Mm-hmm. The thing is, though, I will say Russ is not a 93. That's well, the only he's thing. got a 93 total. I would, I would love to see it. I would love to see it, but Russ is, is not a 93. He's I, like 90 seems to be the per, like it is like the perfect weight class for him based on where he walks around in the offseason. Petrie is more of a 93. Um, I don't know. Yeah, Petrie. But is I, more wherever Russ goes, the, the storyline would be. But that I think Keenan versus Bob versus Ashton. The 82 or 90s, based on where Russ goes, what is Jesus' total? And then the rematch of the 93s has to be the top four on the men's side. Yeah. That, that's that got to be my top four storyline. So on the women's, honestly, 2022 had to be the year of women's powerlifting because it erupted. Like the amount of breakout performance we had, the amount of close battles we have now in weight classes, women's powerlifting went absolutely yep, insane. And it's only going to get better. Ne- it's only going to get better. Between, I mean, what we're going through, the 57 class battle at IPF Worlds, Natalie versus Joy versus Jod versus Bobby versus Maria T. I know there's someone else, I think, that totaled 480 kilo that I'm missing there, too. Um, in the 76s, Agata versus Jessica versus Carlina. 63s or 69s. I mean, Leah has kind of been a toss-up, what she's going to do. There's been, there's been some, been maybe, some inkling, maybe some inklings that she's going 69, but... Yeah, it's not confirmed by any means, but there's inklings. But it either, you could have Leah versus Corolla versus Megan Scanlon. I apologize, Megan Scanlon. I forgot to add you. I had you on my list, but I forgot to add you on my poll yesterday. That was that was bad journalism. Um, Fuck you, Steve. Maybe even Celine in the future. Yeah, I don't know what Celine's plans are after the Arnold. Really, any um, woman in the, the USAPL now, any top woman in the USAPL now, they have a route to Worlds, or like not a route to Worlds. Like there's a good pull for you to go to the IPF route. Oh yeah. We're, we're kind of Pete's Pete, uh, Pete Spence, I think kind of alluded to it on some of his stories We're unfortunately, I mean, the USAPL is not going anywhere, but the IDF's not going anywhere. And it's kind of split itself in the U S of like this men's federation in the U S and then the women's federation for powerlifting America. It's, it's kind of getting split a bit and that's, that kind of stinks. Yeah, it does. That, I, that, I mean, that was kind of the, it, it it was a thought that people were having, but I I guess people didn't come to that conclusion earlier, which that should have been a fair conclusion because we've always said internationally, like women's America doesn't dominate the women's side. No. Like men's not not, not like the men's. We're like literally yeah, not like the men's almost by any every weight class we is have, American. 
we still have arguably the best women's team, especially this year that we're going to have some of our best lifters go from USAPL and go back over um, to the IPF. I think we still have the best women's team. We just don't have the same depth that we do on the men's side. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the question mark will be though, like, cause obviously only certain people get to go to IPF worlds is, is will some women come back for raw Nats? Will they just say PA and have that big gap? Because it's going to be from February all the way through that. They're not going to have like a, a big meet per se, but yeah, either way uh, you can also have going up, up and then you reverse Chandler Babb and uh, Marte Jenner. That would be really interesting. Um, USAPL side, you got Sam versus Celine versus Gabby at the finale. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's probably the main, the main battles well, I've got. On I got to go. Side. There's even more, but that's, I mean, that's for me though, for me, number one storyline, it's, it's similar to like the 93 side because it's just good lifting, but also competitive people. 76s with Carlina thrown in the mix with it's, Agatha and Jess. You got to give me the 76s for like, that's, that's what I'm going to be. Eyes glued on it. It's a simple storyline. I get to view it a little bit more closely. To me, it's I. It's it's the I can't argue battle. against. I can't argue against it, and it's going to be the biggest storyline. But I don't. I personally, maybe I bias. This is even even before I coached Natalie. I probably had bias towards. I would have just said the fifty-seven. Fifty-seven is going to be historically maybe the deepest weight class battle ever in high IPF. Sure. Okay. I agree. But with deep weight class battles, I notice a bit of a trend where it's like you get a fall off with someone, you know, like, and then it turns into like two or three people. So that's why mm -hmm. like a third, like that's why head to head matchups for me. I'm like, Oh, this is perfect. You know, I'm only really viewing these two people and it's much more easier to focus on. Like, cause what I, I always allude to it, Daniela Mello, Amanda Lawrence, that was the perfect scenario where his best overall lifter in the same weight class. So when you get like five people, it's great. It's all over the place. It's, you know, it's exciting. But, you know, give, give me a little bit more condensed weight class. And I'm happy. It's my simple brain, I think. Yeah. I mean, I get it. I mean, I, I it's between those two. It, it's on the women's side. It's the 57 battle or it's the 76 battle. And I, whether I have bias or personal opinion... Um, I can very much see that the overriding perception will be that the most anticipated battle on the women's side is going to be Agatha versus Jessica versus Carlina. Which could we see? Could we see it at Sheffield? I don't know. I that would be fantastic. That would be a great. Um, that yeah, that would be that, that would I think kind of be the storyline of Sheffield in in some ways because I, I think it would people it would go be if towards it yeah people go towards those head to head battles then Taylor Atwood's looking to total what he did at Daytona which would be huge um and then Jesus I think if Jesus is able to do that he trumps that storyline just because of what we it, what it is like the most impressive feat in powerlifting history um I'm going to say something that I alluded to earlier as far as storylines and that's very high up on my list cuz I would go 76 is first 57 second third for me I guess you can qualify it as the Pro Series um, final. But for me, the big thing, if Celine Crum wins the Pro Series, that would be the third biggest storyline. And then I could I could make arguments for it being just number one because of how it, it is unexpected. Like, she's a fantastic lifter, but no one was putting into that conversation and the way she had to do it, too. She had to do it the toughest way imaginable. Had to start off amateur, be the best overall lifter in a fight. It was not easy for her. It was not an easy competition. She had to hit her lifts at that competition because you had some real good 
future professional lifters on that female side at 2021 Arnold. She had to go and win that. Then she had to go and be an underdog against Natalie, beat her, and then go to the Virginia Pro, stand alone at the Virginia Pro, now do the finals and potentially win. That, to me, is huge. Like, Gabby and Sam were the favorites, I think, to be up there. I I think we were saying Natalie, Gabby, and Sam to start the Pro Series, but Celine being the overriding favorite right now is ridiculous. Um, I still think on the women's side, like, that is going to get – capture a lot of the attention, but it'll mean so much more as far as storylines if Celine ends up winning. I agree. I think from a sports fan perspective, people who watch sports, like that's that's a rookie comes in the league, lights it up, makes it to the Super Bowl, a Joe Burrow like yeah. like last year. It's it's kind of like that. And that I mean obviously Joey B was the story of the year last year, maybe in the NFL, with how he had that playoff run and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I agree there. I, I do agree. I I mean I would be the third one in there then I, I don't disagree there in the sense of like that finale battle and possibly Celine taking it um so you got the 57 class back the Agatha versus I, I also forgot the 47 kilo women with Jessica versus Heather versus uh Tiff my only issue there is I don't think we're gonna get to see all three I think we're only gonna get to see two if we had all three maybe maybe one gets an alternate spot I was about to say I, I would say in a weight class the alternate spot eh, we'll see when powerlifting American Nationals rolls around because I, I don't, I, it's just one of those ones that you can't guarantee is to. going to happen. I don't know. Cause what I you think said? based on the, uh, cause I don't know. Is it Carpino scores? I can't begin to, I, I don't I know. Can't, I can't begin I don't to know explain how, how this works. Um, but yeah, I don't know how they're going to do it again this year. Cause last year there were some weird things too. They used, they used Carpino scores, but there were some weird things that happened with it. Obviously the chances, Eric Kupperstein thing. Um, but yeah, you can't guarantee the 47 kilo battle because we do not know if they can all get there. We can guarantee, not guarantee, but we can expect the other ones. Like Natalie obviously has to win world or win nationals uh, for uh, powerful America. So there's some things that have to happen. That we can't just guarantee it by any means. Um, Agatha versus Jessica versus Carlina, I think is pretty certain is going to happen because I that we don't have the issue with New Zealand anymore, or the travel restrictions as far as I know. So well, hopefully Car- um, Carlina yeah. didn't do it because it, it was because she's, a doctor or something, right? I thought, okay, okay. So, yeah, she couldn't do it because of work because it, before there was issues yeah, with New was. Zealand and travel restrictions prior, though. So, yeah. uh, <clears throat> well, moving on, before we power rank all of it together, moving on to the Fed side, we got I got five things. Sheffield in general, does it live up to the hype? It's, it's almost created extra hype now because we didn't get to see it in 2020. And now there's like this mythological or like, like legendary like pers- or perspective of what Sheffield was going to be. Is it going to be the greatest spectacle we've ever seen in powerlifting? Like it's, it's, it's hyped up to be mm-hmm. um, on the USAPL side. We've got a real pro series schedule. Can it actually be the pro system that can create the hype and challenge the same type of perspective as IPF worlds in Sheffield um, from another perspective, we've got bench depth and the insanity or maybe not insanity that ensues there. It's there's maybe it, we we over talked about it or maybe we didn't talk about it enough and it's it either way it's going to be a storyline the first regardless person, yeah, of what it is the first person to bomb out on bench depth one will have their or get at least get called on bench I thought depth, about will have their will have their name cemented in powerlifting history it like you might become a storyline person who we don't know wait, who that is yet hold up hold up got an idea I gotta check this real quick I. So, if I go to Arizona, there's a Powerlifting America meet January 7th. Should I sign up 
and go oh, get dude. the first for the bomb oh. out of Finstead. Oh, do the yeah, see see if uh, well, or, or do some tests ones. No, I need to. I need to submit no. myself I'll into do the history it. of powerlifting oh, for my actual it. lifting. I thought you were talking about a my test case. My lifting will never be. No, my lifting because I'm weak and my best stop ever was 370 and no one cares about my lifting will never be cemented in the legacy of powerlifting. If I went and became the first person to ever bomb out on bench step, I would be forever as a with my legacy. Yeah. I will never be forgotten. Yeah, for sure. It would first be person to ever bomb out on bench step. Yeah. That's the, the, yeah. The first, I don't even know if I could, I don't know if I could though, because of how long my arms are and I have no exactly. Arms. I don't know that's the thing. It's hard. Yeah, it's yeah. hard because I was thinking about like, what if I did? I'm like, I, I, I think that. I mean, I've been trying for many years to reduce range of motion on my bench, and it has not worked. So I, I think it's incapable. But maybe it's a yeah, test case, and the person that could potentially bomb out is you. But yeah, um, I agree with that storyline. Um, it was an uh, English lifter, regionals. Sophia. Was that Sophia who posted on her story? And I was like. Sophia, yeah, Sophia Ellis. I'm like, this is a lot. This is too much information, I think. It shouldn't be that you know, complex. I don't know it should be too, more I don't know simple. if it's too much in I don't I I could give my whole rant on this, but there there's I could I we've already talked about it. I, I I've got I've got even more rants based off of those stories, but let's yeah. just see how it plays out. Okay. So regionals, can they actually be what we want them to be? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I am scared about the ability to be consistent across the board, but at least two of the regionals, I have some good confidence that they can be national quality at a regional level and provide that stepping stone tier. And then lastly, I don't know if they're going to happen. It's on the website that says to be determined, but local meet pro qualifiers, okay. if they actually happen. That'd be great. Like that was going to be a really cool addition to the USAPL is local meet qualifiers. I it's on the website. I have heard that's supposed to be a thing. It, nothing has come to it, so we'll see on that. Okay. But yeah, all right. We want to power rank these. Yeah, it's gonna be really hard. One through five. One through five. Um, whew. you go first. <laughs> Give me your one. The hardest part is combining the feds with them. If it was just met, if it was just lifters, I mean, that would be easier. Yeah, like, the fed determining part, I... if Sheffield. If Sheffield is more anticipated than Keenan versus Bob versus Ashton or Agatha versus Jessica and Cart, like I think, I, so, you know what? I'm gonna have to put Sheffield in general. Sheffield. Yeah, is I was one. gonna. I'm gonna agree with you. I because we we, we 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 could do separate lists um, as far as the power rankings go, but I think Sheffield just has a meet because it's been so long, and I think that. <sighs> It was so highly anticipated in 2020, like unbelievably anticipated in 2020, that the fact that it's happening now, um, I think that time kind of did lose some of its luster surrounding it. But I think it's going to be the most anticipated event in powerlifting in 2023 by far. Um, The only disadvantage it has, though, is it being in March, and there's going to be a ton of things after it. And then... People, people in this fucking sport are so fickle that they have recency bias like crazy, and then they will they'll just put another meet like above it, um, or they'll compare like, oh yeah, I think it was better at Sheffield in spite of them like not even watching it or not even being there for it. But I still think anticipation wise, Sheffield's got to be number one. Yep, Sheffield one, two and three. I know what two and three is. I just don't know the order yet. Yeah, I'm gonna give him my it's two. It's gonna be it's whatever Russ does. <laughs> okay, that's not my two. Yeah. So whatever Russ does, well, whatever Russ two. decides to my do, number will two dictate itself as the biggest storyline. 
Well, maybe this is your three and four then. My number two and three is Keenan versus Bob versus Ashton or Agatha versus Jessica versus Carlina because if it plays out, because this is anticipation, if it plays out in anticipation of what we hoped, this is going to be the first time ever on the men and women's side we have ever had this high of quality of lifters or this caliber three deep. We've had two deep. We've never had three deep. Three deep. I can't think of three deep. No, from experience. We've had three deep in the in sense of like, I mean, obviously we had Chance versus Keiko versus Emil, and they're amazing lifters. But I mean, if you hate dots, then you hate dots. But if you're going dots base, Keenan, Bob, and Ashton are a step above. Keenan, Bob, were. Ashton, and I swear on God, you fucking add Petrie to this list. But he's not in the weight. Cl- I would, but he's not in the weight class. Okay, I'm only doing class battles. Weight class battles. All right, I'm fine then. No, I did not. I did not do dots based battles for the lifting because i again i all gear for dots based stuff but i think dots is not is is inferior to weight class battles but it is a needed thing for the growth of power lifting and it is an amazing thing but the goal is get to all weight class battles well yeah well the keenan bob and the uh, yeah, keenan bob and ash thing i think that could do some real special things to the sport because they have i mean i i go in this and this is important they have all of the Titan look. They look larger than life. You, Those are people, they walk into a room and you turn your head. Like, whoa, that person looks strong. And guess what, guys? They are very strong. They also could lift a lot of weight. Yeah. Like, Well, that's honestly, for Agatha, Jessica, and Carlina, that's the same thing, too. Like, part of the, the benefit of these battles is that there's you don't need to think about relative strength. Yeah. They're, they're literally they're cutting just through some everything. of the strongest human beings on the they're just, yeah. If you say there's no Wilkes in the jungle, you still like this. Yeah. If you say there's Wilkes in the jungle, you still like this. It's literally just it. the The closest thing we've ever had to this tier is Daniela versus Amanda, in my opinion. But we only had two deep. Mm-hmm. We didn't have a third. With both of these, we have a third. Yeah, I agree. But my question is, which ones? I, I think I'm going to go. I'm I'm going to drop my U.S. supremacy. Mm-hmm. that we're the only thing that matters in the entire world and say Agatha versus Jessica versus Carlina is number two. Okay. Because worldwide that is going to be more important for powerlifting. And I'm going to go Keenan, Bob and Ashton number three. Okay. Um, hmm. Can I get canceled at an hour or 50 minutes into this episode? I agree with you. Agatha, Carlina, Jess should be, I think the second biggest storyline of this year, or at least at the very least third. What needs to happen is for more females to give this attention. I think this is the one that they will, though, because Danielle and Amanda got fe- got okay. women engaged and involved. I we'll think see. this is the battle because it can't, that could be something that women get behind like they did Amanda and Danielle. Because I'm going to tell you, fans of powerlifting, guys are going to watch this one, right? But it's like... It, but guys tend to watch guy powerlifting and women tend to watch women's powerlifting. And that's where the numbers are a bit skewed as far as like anticipation and storylines. I, I I think if we, you know, like the female side and men's side really rally around that one, it would be third. But I think sometimes a missing part of the equation is females within the sport, not rallying around it as much. I mean, I think it's just a natural thing. They aren't as like sport fanatics as men are. And uh, that, that to me is like what can potentially hurt it is the fact that um, you might be missing some viewership just because of them being in female weight classes or, or, or female divisions. So um, I would put 
my third, because um, I, I gave you my second, so I will give you my third as that battle of Bob, Keenan, and Ash. And then my fourth would be Jess, Agatha, and Carlina. Okay. And my then, fourth is bench depth because of course. I am very certain we're going to have to talk about that plenty more. In a it's positive or a negative. About it. Yeah, positive or a negative, right? Like, if, I don't they think it, if they figured out something, they I don't, figured out something well, that's good. Well, they didn't figure out anything because it's not going to stop arching. No, it's For not. anyone that thinks it stops arching, it doesn't. It, it's either going to be neutral because it's just a non-discussion because it doesn't really do anything because it's not going to affect very many people. It's not going to stop arches. It's either one going to be a non-discussion because it doesn't really do anything or two, it's going to be a negative. I don't, I don't see it being a positive because it's not stopping arching in any way. Like it, it's, it, it, we're still going to have it. Mm. So I, I don't, I don't think there's, I mean, people might be disagree. I don't think there's a positive because I'm bad against the ruling of this, but I think there could be a neutral where we're like, okay, well, this was, it ends up not really being a thing. No one's really getting called on it. It's, it's just, I mean, yeah, I, I think it could be a, just a, a a non-issue in general, but that should just be more neutral. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but my, my fifth here is going to be Jesus. My fifth is Jesus too. Yeah. Cause I have to put him in there. And I mean, I guess I'm going very lifter first thing. Um, I, I can see, I mean, if the pro series really takes off this year, it could just be the norm in powerlifting, which would be really good. Like if IPF adopts it, it'll be good. Right. Like, or if they like adopt some sort of model of this, like, like it does kind of, it, it makes my mind wander, like how this could actually work where you can still have the USAPL and IPF exist as long as they, you know, get off the stupid fucking WADA thing. Um, because like it could be the USAPL pro series and then you qualify for worlds still and you could do worlds or you can do the pro series thing, but they're still like intermingled. Right, you can represent your country or that do that. Pipe dream is more crazy than the Olympics. Yeah. Oh no, it's not I don't think it's a pipe dream. I, I mean I, I actually think like in time this you could actually that, work. You think that IPF is going to allow the USAPL back in? No. But I do think the pipe dream of us creating another federation <laughs> and moving all of us oh, across the America can work. Um I I I don't know. I actually kind of don't think that's too crazy. Like at a point, like not this year, obviously not this year, but at a point in powerlifting, that's more I'm thinking where the pro series becomes like an actual organization. And then IPF worlds, you know, stands alone as something you represent in your country. Like, like how other professional sports are. I have that dream in powerlifting and I really want that to be a thing because IPF worlds is special. And I think, Professional championships are special too. They can both intermingle. Watch the World Cup. Kind of the same thing. Professional soccer players representing their country. That's how I want powerlifting to be. Where if you win the Champions League, it's a huge, huge thing for the players and for the city. But then also if you win the World Cup, it's a huge thing for the, the country and the players as well. It's both. That Olympics. actually is allowed by WADA, a.k.a. why soccer players can go to the Olympics. It's not allowed by the IPF because they make up rules that are not water base because yeah. Yeah, I, that, I agree. Could, that could be possible i don't think it'll ever happen because i don't think the ipf will allow it with their rules sure. but that is actually a possibility because all other professional sports organizations professional ones like the higher like soccer nba all have that system and are ioc recognized yeah for sure so, but hey zeus uh, fifth, yeah, though like i, I i'm, I'm at a total agreement there because we might be just seeing 
I'm not going to say the next coming of Ray Williams. I'm going to say we're going to be seeing someone who gets to be referred to as Jesus Oliveras. You know what I mean? Like stamping his own legacy, his own name in the sport for years to come. Where you're going to be compared to Jesus Oliveras. I mean, he would be, if he does 2,500 and it progresses like it should, he should be the face of powerlifting. Not IPF, USA. Face of powerlifting like Ray pretty much was for two or three years. And also, I mean, Jesus could do it in a different way. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, he has a different. That also bridges the gap with. It bridges the gap with the untested side, too. Because that, again, a lot of the untested people don't care about USAPL and vice versa. It goes both ways. When someone does something like that, like the 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 drug, the untested side cared about Ray, just like when we see John Hack, we care about John Hack. Like when that kind of stuff happens, the other side starts to care. Yeah, for sure. That's that's a, that's a very good point. Yeah, and there's there's no yeah on the untested side, Jesus like always gets a nod. Like Jesus is a fucking beast. They kind of say that about Russ at times. They kind of say that about Atwood at times. But it's like Jesus, yeah, he's legit. We know that if he comes here and the untested side of powerlifting. He'll he'll be up there with Dan Bell and you know competitive with everyone else. Um, yeah. So I mean, because they are big on like just weight lifted. So yeah, like that, and also too like, uh, hey, Zeus is one of those guys too. Just hanging out with him and like being around him, it's like he's got this like he's got a uh, like kind of a movie star sort of like uh, build and like mystique around him. He's not he doesn't act that way. But he just has it. Like, he's just an athlete. Well, Ray had it, too. Like, when you saw Ray, you were starstruck. Yeah, you exactly. saw Ray at the VA Pro last year. Like, you could, like, he, everyone was just having to watch Ray, even though it wasn't the same Ray we knew of. Like, yeah, but it's just Ray a different way as far as Jesus is a little bit more low-key. You know what I mean? Like, more like low-key, but it still adds to it. Ray was as low-key as it gets. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, you're right. I think they're, I think they're actually very similar. Yeah, they're, like, they're similar. very yeah, similar right, how right, they go about I things. Get it, I get it. Okay. Which is good. That's good. I mean, I, I like it. So yeah, you're right. But yeah, okay. We only have one change. I went, I went uh, Sheffield, Agata, and the 76 battle. Then I went the 110 battle in USAPL. Then I went bench depth. Then I went Jesus. You went Sheffield, Russ, Agata, Keenan, uh, and the 110s, and then Jesus. Yeah, and you know what's funny? If we post this on Two White Lies as far as the power rankings go. I'm like, this right shouldn't any yield any debate as far as storylines go, but I remember the biggest fight last year on the comments was about storylines. Yeah. Oh, it'll, it'll, there'll be plenty of people that get pissed it's off. It's like, guys, it's so we gotta po- we gotta post it's, it. it's post a very, engagement. It's the it's it's so subjective. It's like the most subjective thing you could possibly talk about is what's going to be valued as far as talked about storyline more. And all right. I think we have a pretty good expertise to know what's going to get talked about. Yeah. Since we, yeah, we, I don't think, we, be, because I think we have a very, we have, we, we have we, a skewed we audience. The, we see the engagement. Yeah. We have a skewed audience like base because we are predominantly USAPL America based crowd and not a whole lot of people from the IPF listen to this podcast. Um, they just don't, but like, I know if we just post anything with Russ. Actually, you know what? Fuck it. Go to King of the Lifts, look at a post with Russ, and look at a post with anyone else. It just generates more views, no matter what. Comparatively, because King of the Lifts, like, some of the likes, you know, they're, they're sometimes not breaking 1,000. Mm-hmm. But if you post Russ, like, you're guaranteed over 1,000. Like, it just does 
better. And even though it's something that Russ has done probably 25, 30 times in his career, hit 700 squat and training, hit over 700 pound deadlift, gets posted on King of Lifts, even though like the whole, the likes count on King of Lifts could be like some, some things get like 400 likes. Then other things get, you know, 10,000 likes. But Russ is always like a guarantee to get a certain amount of likes just because it's Russ. Yeah, I agree. And with his I performance, agree. I think he did create more of a larger than life persona that um, that people are tuning into. So, um, yeah, we, we have a bit of an idea on what it is, but I think the new cycle when Sheffield rolls around is going to be quite big and what they're doing already. It's, it's great, right? What, the, the videos that they're putting out, it's fantastic. And I expected nothing less. Like, I didn't expect, like, someone to be, like, lame. We just, we need to get these fucking wild cards. Agreed. We're running out of time. Do people have to prep for this meet or what? I <laughs> I I would personally be shocked if the wild cards do not already know that they are wild cards. Exactly. I was like, yeah, because you, I mean, what they did, like, as far as, like, if, editing and all this stuff, like, creating a, like, that whole, like, production thing, it's like, we got to know. I'm like, they got to at least know at this point. I'm sure right? that's it's already January's yeah. in March. I'm sure that's already been done. Yeah. I, that has to have been done, has to have been done for the wild cards. Right. If it's not, that's worse than the Arnold still like lagging on sending out invites. Yeah. So, I mean, we got that today. I like what the I, Arnold I, did or the, the, what the USAPL did yesterday with announcing some of the lifters that are confirmed. That was cool. That was cool. Even if they sent out the wrong email. Yeah. I was confused. I actually almost didn't sign up. Noriega yes, told me to sign up after I, had, after I was trying to convince him to do 82 and a half. Well, I'm the one that told Sean to sign up because I had so many people message me or I had to confirm with them to let them know well, that pro, you yeah. got the wrong email. It was, you got I the wrong the email. The you got wrong. the right link, but you got the wrong email. Yeah. I don't know. I think I made some inways, though, getting Sean to do 82 and a half at the Arnold. Or I did it at all. Who knows? He's he not doing 82 and a half at the Arnold. No. So ridiculous. So crazy. He just wouldn't do 82 and a half. How easy is getting a, a, a record based on Sean's experience? Like, how, how easy has it been? Just guaranteed? On bench it, and bench it hasn't been that easy because we always exactly have Exactly my point. That's wrong. my point. It's not, it's, not the, it's not a guarantee you're going to get the chip anyways. Well, we all no, have the a chip. chip. The, 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 record's, the record's pretty low right now. So the record is pretty low right now, so it does matter. Okay. Well, it, it's, it does have... I... He has issues. Right, I'm, not, I'm not getting to this. Uh, this is going to be a whole argument. I'm <laughs> yeah, not it is. It is. Your coach, I'm just your, say, co your coach doesn't even agree with you. If he thinks that I shouldn't do 82 and a half, this is the time I'm going to be like, I don't fucking care. I'm not listening to you. We're competing we've at 82 had and this half. conversation with Joe. Yeah, Joe has yeah. told you it's a good uh -huh. idea, but you, mm -hmm. you're not going to force you. Answer, and my answer, like, I'm not gonna and my answer is no. I'm not doing it. I'm not compete. I'm not going to compete above 82 and a half because you know why? When nationals rolls around, we're all going to have chips. Total. We're going to have the chip total. You can't have a chip total unless you chip a lift. Yeah, but you still, but you still have that somewhere in there. You know what I mean? Like he will never be out but of the bench. Be chip a, he will be never be out of lift. the chip. But he will never be out of the chip it on bench. It. All right. You'll never be not going to argue this one. We're not. We're not going to agree <laughs> on it. I'm not going to argue this one. This is bullshit. Commercial gym story to finish. <laughs> yeah, do it. What was the commercial? We, we all right. There's two awards. That I think we forgot to or two uh, a, a few snubs as far as awards go. Chris Perez probably should have been mentioned as breakout lifter because I think he could actually get okay. into 82 and a half kilo top five. He is so fucking good, and it's kind. He's really low key. The USAPL post after the IPF bench depth. 
Totally forgot about that. Oh, that yeah. subtlety of adding that Sean Noriega one. was beautiful. Spot on. Yes. Big W for USAPL. Um, and also, we just didn't have a whole thing for commercial gym story of the year. Yeah. Okay, so what's the commercial gym story? <laughs> I, I Honestly, now I, I've been highlighting the ones I did, but now I feel like some of these I've said, but I can't tell if I told you and Aunt Solana off air. or if I, Have I said about the treadmill catching on fire and flooding the whole gym? No, but... It feels like you just told me the story. I don't story, have it highlighted. It feels like you told me the whole okay. story, though. So. The treadmill cut on fire and it's uh, off the sprinkler My system. final three months working for this gym was amazing because I didn't have to work. Nice. I got paid to do basically nothing before I left and got married and moved to Springfield. Because in the middle of the night, this is a, this is a pretty brand new gym. This is like a $4 million gym, only been open two years. In the middle of the night one of the treadmills that had like this little iPad display from the monitor spontaneously caught on fire at like midnight and then caught four more treadmills on fire. That wasn't the issue though. The issue is it set off the sprinkler system, which then flooded the whole gym and they had to release every single piece of equipment. I still in my garage have equipment because they just were throwing it out. Kettlebells, boxes. I have a whole bunch of stuff downstairs that were just in the trash can. I was like, oh, I'm going to take it then because like insurance was going to replace everything. So yeah, the entire gym caught on fire. Um, so I did not have a gym my final three months working. And I went to another gym and got salaried to basically like hang out and mentor some people. And like, it was amazing because I got to plan my wedding and plan the move and everything. But yeah. Treadmills or cardio are dangerous. The treadmill literally spontaneously. I got, you know, maybe I, I've got the picture. I don't know if I'm allowed to. <laughs> I've got the picture of the treadmills. Yeah, spontaneously caught on fire in the middle of the night. So yeah, don't do cardio. It's dangerous. Yeah, yeah. All right, going out with a bang. I like that. Yeah, pretty good one. All right, uh, this might be edited out of the podcast. I might just completely do it. So I'm gonna go to hour forty eight at King of the Lifts. Oh, I was I was gonna bring that up after recording, but yes, we well, need to hear this. What was said? Do you know? Oh well, no. He's yeah. I, he he literally said I need to start putting me and you in the same group chat versus sending us stuff uh, separately. Yeah. Considering uh, he just sends the same stuff, but yeah, let's let's hear what they had to say. It's competition. He did eight eighty five as a ninety. It's it's unacceptable for me to not do anything less than nine hundred, right? Or anything more than 900, right? Taylor talking to shit to hack and shit. Like, I have friends that are in untested and like, oh, who does Taylor think? And I was like, bro, shut the fuck up. Like, you don't even fucking, don't talk about my boy like that. Get the fuck out of here. And it wouldn't offend my you man. if you didn't think it was right. You know what I mean? My but, man. It's just funny because there's so many subcultures and like, like flex, like team flex is its own culture. You know what I mean? And then there's like all of like just the, the tested side that's its own culture. It's just so, it's so weird. But, uh. And then you got like the Fortino culture, the two white lights culture. It's just weird. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, you got all these little factions and pieces and everybody's like yeah. soft and shit. It's, bro, this is sports. This is competition. Like, I don't know. We lift weights, you know, we're not like getting in a ring, but like, this is sports. Like, this is, this is what grows. This is what makes it fun, you know? So I don't know. I, I, I get it. All right. I didn't, I didn't get All right. Maybe I'll edit it out. I don't get it. Is that I don't get it either because how I mean I get the sub like I agree. No, we have we have yeah definitely we have a like we have have a we we have like cultures in powerlifting. I understand that. We definitely have a cult. We totally have a cult because I don't. I don't. Oh yeah, I don't think he was also like he said. The only thing that was weird is he called like some people soft, but I don't. I think the last people to call soft and don't understand sports is the two white lights culture because that's literally what we continually say is that we're the like. 
No. Sports. All right. So here's so yeah, the I thing. Don't, I don't take offense. No, I don't take offense to it, but I think this is what he's getting. And I could be totally off here because I'm not listening to the entire thing. But I think Wee's bought this up too. And it's like kind of they they almost defeat their own logic because it's sports. What do sports have? Fans. Subcultures of teams? No, subcultures of teams that have fans. What you're referring to are fans of a particular person, and yeah, they dick ride their favorite lifter. There's a lot of dick riders in powerlifting, but those people are called fans. So if Russ says something or Taylor says something that potentially offends or goes against their favorite lifter, they're going to defend their favorite lifter because they're fans, similarly to other sports teams. And talking shit to, say, me a Bears fan to a Green Bay Packer fan, or you, a Cardinal fan, and me, a Cubs fan. We talk shit to each other, and if you say Wilson Contreras isn't that good of a signing, I'm going to be like, fuck you, Steve. You're an idiot because Wilson Contreras is a fantastic signing, and that's what sports fans do. Decent. Decent. No, I, yeah, like I said, I don't, I don't, I take zero issue with anything he said because we 100% have a 14-0 and two white lights. I'm happy I was mentioned. That's my first mention on King of the Lifts in fucking God knows how long. Shout out to Gavin for at least getting me on that bitch. Fucking boycott 14 like To be be one of the main subcultures of tested powerlifting is pretty cool. I take it as more of a, a, a... a, a praise. Yeah, for I'll, sure. I'll I, I think I well, no, I we, we for sure this. have a cult. We definitely have a cult. Oh yeah. Massonomics and two white lights have cults. Massonomics mm-hmm. has the strongest cult though. We gotta get on there. I'm I'm sorry, two white lights fans. The mission for twenty twenty three is to beat Massonomic as far as cults go. Holy war. There, Holy war, Massonomics does, versus two white lights. Does their cult and culture actually compete in powerlifting, though? I just like to wear gym shorts while lifting in their home gyms. That's that would be the most culty thing they could possibly do is not compete, but just lift in their home gyms. That's a hard so cult to, to beat. start appealing to beer drinkers who want jorts that lift in home gyms. <sighs> they, we, we're going they, after the wrong market. They cornered the, that the market because we well, we have like honestly, we have like the, dickhead twenty two year olds. <laughs> Well, you pissed off the anime community. And that's, and like the best cult. that's like the best cult. That's the I don't want them representing the me. I don't. Community. I don't. I don't want them representing me. But um, I I, I don't want them representing like our brand. But um, yeah, we got to get find this really toxic, mean, twenty two to twenty eight year olds that hate junior yeah. lifters. That's our cult, I guess. But. Yeah, I mean, it's so we, yeah, funny to me. That. It's so funny when this is bought up because everyone's like, this is sports. I'm like, and you guys are completely knocking all of sports by saying that when fans talk about sports, that it, it's it's bad for it. Like, no, that's actually a really good thing. The fact that they're talking about sports is good. Or talking about lifters or talking about teams, like they're a part of it and they're passionate about it. Is It's really good. Oh, sport, sports culture, especially if you're from certain cities like in Chicago or a Philly or New York, is like the greatest toxic toxicity possible. Oh, it's like, horrible. Yeah, it is. It's amazing. Horrible. <laughs> yes, it's a. It's it yeah. It's awful. It's terrible. It's terrible to say those things about like other the- people. I have wished terrible things upon most. I screamed Aaron Rodgers is a Nazi when he, the, the last game they played against the Bears because he has a Nazi haircut now. Fact, and then also quickly he saluted. I think Hitler. There's screenshots of it. I screamed that at the top of my lungs outside 
where my brother-in-laws and sister's neighbors were like outside, like, what the fuck is oh, wrong with that guy? When, when we used to, the student, like student sections at collegiate sports, the basketball, we used to have a girl who was attractive. This is back when Facebook was like college only. She, are we still, are we, are we, we're going to keep this in? Oh, we're keeping it now. We're having a good combo. Okay. Good end so, of the year. Uh, this girl who was, this is back when Facebook was cool and it was college emails only. She would go friend oh. a player or best player from an opposing team to get the dirt on them. And she would create a dirt list that would be in our seats so that we could trash talk uh-huh. them. And, and we would go, it, our whole goal the entire time was to get to the point where they'd flick us off or start cussing at us. And yeah. it would happen almost every game. We, we'd get them to go, we would be horrible. The, the best one ever, though, I might have told you this. I don't know if I have, but I think I did tell you this. The best one ever, and I I, I gained so much respect for him. Um, I was probably like five feet because uh, I, I almost always got front row at the basketball games because of my roommate. Um, we would be literally within, like, I could almost reach the opposing team. And we played Duke. We played Michigan State. We played all the big teams. But Greg Oden and uh, Mike Conley went with Ohio State. Uh, Tom Izzo, uh, uh-huh. he was sitting there, and he was right probably within five, ten feet of me. The guy behind me goes, Tom, your mom was great last night. And he just turns around and he looks at us and he just shakes his head in disappointment and then walks away. And I was like, all right, nice. touche, Tom. Like they, 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 the coaches would never, ever respond to us. But yeah. uh, the, when Tom did that and he just shook his head in disappointment, I don't think we ever went after Tom anymore because we're like, okay, we like you, Tom. Tom's yeah. cool. Well, yeah, if you, if you, get, acknowledged, if you he, get acknowledged from people, it's, it's cool as a sports fan. Dickie V is everything you expect Dickie V to be. Fuck yeah. He is, yes. he, is the, he is the greatest dude ever. Nice. He would come into the student section and just like hang out with us and like grab. He, everything awesome. you think Dickie V is, that is exactly what Dickie V is. He that's was amazing. Great. Yeah, that's that's actually really good to hear. Um, a co- a College basketball fans are, t- uh, are notably terrible too. Notably oh, we bad. were horrible. Notably. Well, there was, I mean, there's really bad ones. Um, Steve Kerr got it really bad. Too after his dad died, and that uh, like it was like a, I, I think he was in Iran, and they were they had they were heckling him. Uh, at uh, it's like holy shit, you guys are terrible. And I think um, oh, JJ Reddick had some really goats. bad ones too. Oh yes, that's what I was getting to. The goats for all all people listening who went here. The goats of student sections is Maryland. They're the ones that made JJ Reddick cry. Yeah, they were saying some really bad things. Like, and I like JJ Reddick. Oh yeah, I uh, I hate you, JJ Reddick. Is, you know what you gotta do. I actually don't mind. I don't you know mind modern do? day JJ Reddick. Oh yeah, that's exactly Duke it. JJ Reddick. If is you the go, if you go listen to a podcast with JJ Reddick, you're gonna immediately like him because he's just a guy. He's just a dude, and he's just kind of a dick, and it's funny. He is now. He was a soft little baby when he was at uh, Duke. Just kind of like yeah. I think that was a little bit overblown. We're getting into big tangents, but I hated Joe Buck. Now I love Joe Buck. Hated Joe Buck when I was a kid. Listen to one podcast with him. I'm like, Joe Buck is fucking amazing. Hilarious, personable. And then I'm like, oh, he's actually good at his job now that I actually like hear him talk about his job. Because he was like, I can't believe I got accused of being a Cubs fan during the World Series. It's like, yeah, I'm from St. Louis. My dad is Jack Buck. He was the commentator for the St. Louis Cardinals, and people called me a Cubs fan. He's like, that's how you know everyone's full of shit when they talk about <laughs> when they talk about bandwagoning or uh, bandwagoning or people being you know uh, biased towards teams. Like, 
And then in his Twitter handle, it's or in his Twitter bio, it's like I root for every team besides yours. Like, yeah, Joe Buck, you're you're okay in my book. So, all right, longest end to a podcast history because we had to add that in. I was I was hope I thought there was gonna be something insulting there, but there wasn't. They were we're bad. Yeah. Uh, fucking, I'm I, I actually got to take a look at myself where I was hoping for an insult. <laughs> I got problems. I wasn't. I was. I was. I don't know what I was looking for. I, just I was kind of expecting it because I was kind of. I've always. I was. Well, we've always had pretty good. We've always been pretty good with Gavin, so I wasn't expecting anything. No, to be slighted us. Maybe. I mean, maybe recently that like kind of. I've been making fun of Atwood just a little bit. Oh, Atwood, I expect, but not. I don't think we did anything to, to Gavin. I've no. always had really good interactions with Gavin. So well, yeah, maybe, he, he maybe did it's, it's maybe because it's part of the bad. team, right? You know, like him and Delaney. They're part of like the New York, New Jersey syndicate that's your culture subcult it's funny that they say that when taylor atwood has his like his, his fucking fan base too well it's the tiktok it's the powerlifting tiktok subculture yeah exactly there's so but many as subcultures. described gavin gavin's the one I think that's it's actually cool. good at it i think it's cool i think it's cool we have subcultures the all TikTok right tiktok subculture no we, that we oh, yeah, have subcultures, subcultures. That we, i'm for subcultures oh, yeah, we need even it. if i hate them because oh, i hate 100 i hate packer fans i hate cardinal fans I hate white Sox fans and hate's a strong word, and I say that constantly about them, but I'm glad they exist so I can't hate them. Same thing with anime lifters and powerlifting. I'm glad that you're there so I can, you know, use that anger. All right, we're done. We got to end this fucking podcast. Uh, see you guys next week. Okay. In 2023, have a very nice new year. Peace.